Hello and welcome to season three of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, yeah, season three intro. This is it. That's what's happening. I guess we wanted to actually, all irony aside, take a second to like maybe reintroduce ourselves in the show, uh, just in case this is someone's first episode. Yeah. Um, so I guess the 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 pitch of the show is that Brendan and I will bring to the table a video game that we're really enjoying and just sort of go from there. What the show is actually about is up to some kind of unseen god of chaos that yeah. pulls all our strings. Hence yeah. the I was, gonna, I was actually going to say it, it's about a cosmic roll of the dice. <laughs> so, and it's not it's not in the guise of, oh yeah, we just like shoot the shit, hang out. No, like truly waves <laughs> of chaos can stumble us at any moment. We are not in control, but we do love video games and we like talking about ones we love and kind of highlighting that. So that's yeah. the show. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I, um, true. I mean, to to get more in the weeds and maybe it's worth doing, I, I think um, on the surface and in the earliest stages of even developing the show in the first place, the idea was there are a lot of like, I don't know, there are a lot of uh, gaming personas that their whole vibe is just being angry, <laughs> like right. dunking on yeah. video games. And I think you and I wanted to kind of create the antithesis of that. Um, it, it's, it's a place of positivity, but not to the point of it being... Uh, artificial like, yeah artificial Force. i think is a great way of putting it um yeah so yeah i mean we're we're never gonna come to the table with a game that we both just fucking loathe like that's not right that's not gonna be the vibe um pretty much ever um i could see that maybe happening in a bonus episode at some point or another but yeah. I, I don't know the idea is like would ever if we ever bring up something I, I think most recently i think the only thing you brought that you didn't enjoy was like some like uh ea mobile game that like there was a conversation around i think it was their version of tetris like they bought tetris oh yeah and just yeah. like messed it up so i think what happens more commonly than us being like harsh on something is like us finding a game that we like had the caveat of like this isn't great but i found the joy here from it yeah you know, absolutely like you buying anthem for five dollars and being like i enjoyed this for what it was literally worth and for the subjective time i had with it yeah this is all subjective at the end of the day like we're not declaring anything as good or bad we're just sort of sharing our experience with it and if you uh, we go out of our way to also be like okay you don't spend your money on what we think unless x y and z align but you know we also will every now and then find a game where we're like actually buy this like support yeah. this yeah, yeah, yeah um so that's 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 our goal you know that's what we aim to do yeah uh, so yeah i I, um, I, I think a great example of this, uh, again, if this is your first time listening, uh, maybe stick around, maybe hit the subscribe button on whatever <laughs> podcast platform you're listening on. But um, I, I think a great example of this will end up being The Last of Us 2, which I think is our, our currently planned bonus episode for the month of June. Uh, it'll be out uh, hopefully before the end of June, um, where like... That's a game that I am enjoying my time with currently. Um, you and I have talked a lot in previous episodes about how much I didn't like. I think that's like maybe the most contentious opinion between the it's two of us. Yeah, yeah, is how much I didn't like the first Last of Us. And Stephen actually looks angry whenever I bring it up. <laughs> I he looks realize. angry at me right now. Um, I don't know what my face is conveying, and neither does the listener. Okay? <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to paint a word picture, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, a Mona Lisa, if you will, of Stephen's angry face while I say that i didn't like the last of us one anyway uh i'm not gonna i'm gonna stop saying it but 
I'm playing The Last of Us 2. I am enjoying it thoroughly. I have huge gripes with it, like huge, like massive issues with uh, a lot of what's happening in this video game. But I, I think that like our conversation will still probably be mostly like cordial and good. You know, like, totally. It's not it's yeah. not going to be like the two of us screaming at one another or something. You know, I think I think it depends on the intention of the piece. But I think you can also like like there are series like you and I are huge Persona fans and we like will always be quick to point out what that series really fails at doing. Yeah. You know, with totally. with certain representation and, and like kind of blind spots and and some of like really tasteless jokes. But like, yeah, you know, is it enough for us to write the entire series off? I mean, not our call to make, but for us, we chose that it wasn't enough, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that kind of sums up what the intention of the show is. That's the podcast. Uh, that's the podcast. And that's recently half the time. The other half is, again, in the realm of the God of Chaos, Shea Gorath. Uh, realm of madness yeah uh, mania i think you have to look no further than our previous episode uh, <laughs> where multiple people have texted me asking what the fuck we were thinking <laughs> what was it? I, I can't even remember what was the previous episode uh it was 51 worldwide classics <laughs> steven oh, yeah. <laughs> where we said if checkers is jellical or not yeah okay maybe don't subscribe um uh, to you yeah anyway so this is this is the beginning of our third year of doing this podcast which is kind of wild uh amazing that it's been two years already Want to give a, a big shout out to Scout Wilkinson, who did our yes. art for this year. Um, we, we change the uh, cover art of, of the show every year. And uh, this is the first time I didn't do it, which was very exciting for me. So Scout, member of the community, uh, goes by Humble Goat on Twitter. Um, yeah, thank you so much for this incredible, incredible artwork. The the whale, uh, the first time I saw the whale, I like actually like welled up a bit. I was I was so yeah. overwhelmed with emotion. It's It's beautiful. It's honestly the best thing about our show. Overwhelmed. Candid. Oh, okay. Good job. Uh, yeah. Season three. Uh, um. Oh, I mean, it worked. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel good about it. Yes. Thank you so much for the art, Scout. And also, um, I mean, all all jokes aside, like I am really excited to do this for a third year, or I guess the beginning of our third year, right? For season three. Yeah. I think like. I mentioned this at the end of last episode, but just to sort of front load this one with it, like the support we've gotten from the community and from people who listen to the show, people who are in the discord and on Twitter, like all of that has really helped the show grow in the direction it has. And like I said in the last episode, like you're all part of this show's like continuous growth and success as well. So like, I'm just really happy to see that continue and see where it takes us. You know, like I'm, I'm really just pumped to see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and, and just to, uh, touch on the aforementioned Discord and community and stuff, uh, you can find us at into the cast dot online, which will have the links to Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, um, all those places. Uh, and if you want to join the Discord, uh, that link is going to be in the show notes here, but you can also find it, uh, at the worst garbage dot online. You can, you can find the link to the Discord and join there. Um, which, uh, it's, it's a great place. It's a great place to hang out. A lot of very really interesting good. discussions happening about The Last of Us 2 right now in that discord um so if you're playing the game i highly recommend going there and checking out that channel and just seeing what people are talking about because it is wild um cool is is that it is that all the stuff that we should talk about at the beginning yeah and i think i think we'll kind of segue okay into uh 51 new worldwide <laughs> classics <laughs> checkers too the pieces are salami um <laughs> no that's not true uh so previously we had treated e3 as the season marker mm -hmm. we started the show uh season one in 2018 with e3 of that year uh and then season two began we started with, with a special bonus year. episode which is like very much on brand for us yeah 
yeah pretty much and that like uh recently we did a, a listen along on youtube for the very first episode and that was like truly like it, it was fun but it was the it was very much the first test episode but it set the tradition that we carried forward and, and i really enjoyed our e3 2019 it felt like a nice way to to celebrate games and usher in a new season e3 of course is canceled this year so for for the last like few months honestly we've been i don't know months or weeks whatever uh it's been months <laughs> been, yeah it's been months cool i just wanted to confirm how time works in this current <laughs> timeline um we were debating what to do you know like okay do we do we just sort of watch every because you know people are still having events we, we touched on the sony event last episode do we just watch all of the events and compile them together in one episode do we make our like own e3 <laughs> like our own made up e3 <laughs> uh that was an idea and then recently, there was this really, truly incredible bundle on Itch uh, that was raising money for an incredible cause. It was uh, for uh, NAACP legal defense and, and jail bonds, right? Yep. I believe. Yeah. They raised over $7 million. And yeah, they crossed eight when it was over. They crossed eight. Yeah. Wow. Sadly, that deal is over, but we've been you know highlighting as much as we can and... Basically, for ten dollars uh, minimum, you could pay more if you wanted to. If you wanted to donate more money to the cause, it was five dollars. It was a five dollar minimum. Oh, it was five dollars, which is like wow. wild. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, continue. I uh, know. Please, I mean, I I'm glad you corrected me. Uh, it was five dollars, and then you could pay more if you want for a thousand games, basically. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of like, I, I want to say indie Steam in the sense of like, it's direct download. You could buy games from developers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so if you if you gave $5 or more, you got a thousand games. And like, just inherently, that's an incredible deal. Like beyond incredible, like a yeah. new word is is needed. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that it's raising money for a good cause. Uh, double by the fact that like every, every like few days, they would add more games. And then another big like flagship indie game would be like, we're also part of this yeah. so it started as like five or six hundred games and then every couple days they would add like a couple hundred more every time they like crossed another million dollar threshold uh, to yeah. the point where I, th I think the final total was somewhere over the realm of like 1300 games are in this bundle yeah just just incredible uh, and almost like too many it's realistically impossible to experience all of them uh unless like that's yeah. all you do right um so <laughs> so for the past week that was all we did <laughs> <laughs> kind of i mean the idea was brendan and i would would dive into this bundle and and check out as much stuff as possible it was also kind of incentivized by the idea that like while we love covering big releases like Last of Us and, and all that, like, I think we we find a lot of joy from discovering, like, much smaller stuff and being able to champion it in some way. Yeah. With whatever platform we have, you know, just being like, hey, this is something you might not have ever heard of. Something we maybe haven't heard of ever. So, like, I was really excited just to go in blind and, like, check out a bunch of games for the first time. So that's what we've been doing. We, we checked out as many games as we realistically could and we brought to the table the ones we really enjoyed. Worth pointing out, uh, there are a handful of, of games here that uh, we have covered extensively in the past mm -hmm. um, that you probably have heard of and played several times. But we're just going to lightly touch on because we don't want to like ignore them completely. It'd feel yeah. weird to. But most of this episode is going to be us kind of each bringing a game to the table and, and talking about how much we enjoyed it. Yeah, just to like highlight the I guess inherent value of this bundle you know out, outside of the fact that it, like it all went
went to an amazing cause and and it's incredible that it existed in the first place and i just want to actually give a shout out also to everybody in the discord who was buying uh copies of the bundle for other people in the discord that became like a thing that was happening so like more people could get involved in it the a lot of the games or not a lot but like a chunk of the games in here are games that like have been on our previous top 10 of the year like game of the year lists Um, like the first one I imagine you and I want to talk about is Celeste, which is like maybe one of the most important games to you ever, uh, and and was your game of the year, the year that it came out. Yeah. That the Celeste, ironically, we don't have like a Celeste episode, but I've talked about it pretty routinely in passing. I talk about it a lot in our 2018 game of the year episode, which like you said, it was my game of the year. And then I talk about it again in our Games of the Decade episode, mm-hmm. which, uh, don't fear, new listener, is eight hours long. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> save that one for later if you like us enough. Yeah. For for those unfamiliar, it, it's truly just eight episodes in one. So it's not like a continuous conversation, but it's still ridiculous. Anyway. Um, <laughs> there are time codes. You can, you there can, are time codes. Yeah. yeah. You can space it out. Uh, and, in tw- and in that episode, we talked about 100 games of the decade. <laughs> what are we doing uh it's it's funny to, in season three just to confront our sins head first you yeah know? but we collectively chose 100 games from the last decade we loved and we highlighted five games in no order that like we you know that meant the world to us and celeste is one of them so yeah that is easily like i don't want to be like fucking high fidelity but easily like top five of all time for me mm-hmm. um, and that's just in this bundle which is incredible yeah so it's worth noting again like the bundle doesn't exist anymore uh it it, it yeah. is it is gone it, it, that, that deal has expired at this point but a, a big chunk of what we wanted to do with this episode or, or, or one of the like central ideas of it is that like just because the bundle doesn't exist anymore doesn't mean you can't check these games out all of these right. games still exist and have existed for a long time in some uh, in some regards and some of them are still new and things like that but like you can still go to itch.io and you can check all these games out and you can play them um, and what we are here to do is to say you should do that you should absolutely yeah. do that like Yes, The Last of Us 2 just came out and like there are more games coming out every week that are, you know, huge tentpole triple A things or or double A, you know, uh, second party or third party games. But like there are still a ton of independent developers, sometimes single person teams making things and releasing them on on itch uh, and elsewhere. And and that stuff deserves uh, the, the, the spotlight just as much as, you know, the totally. new Paper Mario will when that comes out, um, which yeah. I just said with a lot of disdain. I'm very excited for Paper Mario. <laughs> Paper Mario. <laughs> Get folded. Um, oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, that's kind of the idea of, of this episode is like, please go check this stuff out. If there's any, we're, we're about to talk about a, a lot of games, and, and I don't think we'd be bringing them to the table if we didn't at least recommend checking them out. Um, so if any of them stick out to you in a way that like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, actually, that, that does sound like something I would like to spend some time with. Like, go do that. Support that developer. Pay that money and and uh, and and have a good time uh, or a bad time, depending on what the game wants you to feel, which will change depending <laughs> on the game. Uh, totally, which I'm sure we'll also get into. But yeah, that that's that's the overall. That's totally. It. That's the that's the whole that's the whole deal. And in spirit of the bundle too, I think if you if you have if you have the money to spend, always continue to support good causes too. I think. Yeah. I I, I echo the sentiment that's being spoken right now of like you know it's great to be part of of signing petitions 
charities and and giving money to charities when it's like a, a very massive, you know, publicly seen event. But like make if you can make that a routine part of yeah. your life, you know, I think yeah. that, that that's something that I have in the recent years started doing if I can. And, um, you know, it just it's just good to make that an active part of your routine. That way it's not just this sudden thing all at once, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, not a hot take to give to charity. Um, but yeah. but I, I, I do think it is definitely worth mentioning that like a lot of charities do have uh, like recurring payment things that you can set yeah. up that'll allow you to donate a certain amount every month instead of saying like, we're going to inundate this one bail fund with $20 million uh, all at once, which is, you know, great for that bail fund is also like now an astronomical amount of work on them that they're going to have to like figure out how to sort through all that money and, and make it last or, or, or not depending on what they decide to do with it. Totally. Um, you know, just donate constantly. Yeah. The spirit of the bundle is still alive, even if it doesn't exist. You yes. know, you can still do both things. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I guess we'll get started with the big games in the bundle that we may have already discussed, but just to kind of touch on again, in case you are new to the show or or you haven't heard or experienced these games, we'll, we'll highlight them kind of in passing. I guess we can start with Celeste since we already... Yeah, I think, I think Celeste is, is probably the, the best one to start with. Yeah. So... Uh, let me tell you about Let this me game. tell you all about why I love Celeste so much. Me, <laughs> Brendan Bigley, the biggest Celeste fan. Sorry. You go uh, ahead. Celeste came out like like January 5th of 2018. It was like one of the first games to come out that year. <laughs> and I remember I got it solely based on how beautiful the art was. Like I loved the look of it. Um, and it's developed by, uh, I think now the developer team is called Extremely OK Games. But at the time, it was Matt Makes Matt Games. Matt Makes Games, yeah. Who had, who had previously made Towerfall, which is like one of my favorite ever multiplayer games yeah oh towerfall is incredible um and and also would highly recommend if you're looking for like a like towerfall might be like the best couch co-op game that you could get and it's <laughs> yeah. on like every system yeah so it's it's unbelievable if, if uh just quick pitch on towerfall just because why not <laughs> uh super smash brothers but everybody has arrows that's pretty yeah. much it and in the switch version you can play as uh, madeline and her reflection from celeste yeah. which we'll get into it's There's incredible rules yeah they're called the tenacious traveler and the relentless reflection great um great. which is a great band name anyway uh <laughs> moving on um celeste is is at its core a I want to say retro platformer kind of in the realm of Super Meat Boy where it's like pretty relentlessly difficult but it's difficult because it is like it is so impeccably designed it's the kind of game that like is frustrating but it's the kind of game where you restart right away and you find yourself getting better at the game as you play it uh, in a way that I think makes it much more palatable than like a Dark Souls where it's like you die you learn about like a certain type of like helmet that prisoners wore that sawed the truth of the of the realm, and then you wake up near a bonfire and someone yells at you, and then you walk back to get your ass kicked. Right, like this yeah. game, you you die and you're right back in, and it's to the point where like as soon as you figure out what to do, they put like a thorn right where you probably will land, and you're like fuck, okay, gotta do something else. So yeah. basically, the story is you are Madeline, this young woman who wants to climb a mountain for ambiguous reasons it's a very like metaphorical story that doesn't feel trite so you're climbing this mountain and as you go up you meet other characters you meet this uh character named theo who's like just the best who is also climbing and and as pretty early on you are haunted by like your reflection uh for people who play persona it's very much like your shadow or like your id that's like this kind of repressed side of your personality that's yeah. just torturing you. And Madeline is is kind of escaping that. So the way the game works too mechanically is you can jump and dash and like grab onto ledges and that's about it. 
very simple controls with like every exploration of those of those mechanics in every form. So it's just like it's definitely like one of the tightest designed games I've ever played. But I think the reason I love it so much and the reason I think a lot of people love it so much is it's a really for as like cartoony and and fantastic as it is. It's an incredibly relatable story about living with anxiety and depression. Yeah. And explores that in a way that I think touches a nerve with like or not a nerve, but I think it, it resonates with everyone who plays it. Yeah, there, there, there's one moment uh, in which, uh, like, there is an anxiety coping mechanism. The feather. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it's a feather um, that that is moving up and down on the screen. That is like, I, I think one of the things that so many people who play this game take, who are struggling with anxiety on a daily basis, that depiction of of that coping mechanism is the kind of thing that like you will take with you for the rest of your life. Like this game will, in fact change how you personally cope with anxiety forever. Um, the amount of times I have pictured the feather in my own life since playing totally. Celeste. Same. I, I can't even I can't even count the number of times. Um, I will finally, during season three, give a shout out to our friend Will, uh, who brings up the feather all the time. Yeah, Celeste Celeste is is the kind of game that like not only is just a good platforming video game, but could potentially, uh, if you're a person who struggles with anxiety, um, change the way you look at it and reframe it and like maybe help you carve a path forward. Yeah. And I think also the fact that the game makes you so invested in Madeline and Madeline might very well be like a proxy for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's one of those games where you definitely like feel like you're in her shoes rather than watching her from a third person perspective. Yeah. You might feel more compelled to overcome adversity than you would in Super Meat Boy where it's like just to beat it. Right. Yeah. I don't Uh, see myself in Super Meat Boy. (laughs) Right. Right. And and that game is great too, but like it's, it's not as personal of a journey. Yeah. Um, Another thing I'll bring up about Celeste that we bring up a lot in, in discussions about accessibility is that it is a infamously difficult game uh, on normal, you know, on just the standard game. But if you want, you can basically turn the difficulty off. You can give yourself infinite dashes. So if you just want to experience the story and the the, God, uh, uh, Lena Rain is the composer. Music's on Spotify. One of the best soundtracks in existence. Yeah. Um, for real. No hyperbole. Uh, if you just want to experience it on that level, you can. On the other hand, if you're like me, a fool, uh, you can try to 100% the game and beat all the B-sides, which are harder versions of the level with remixes of the music, also on Spotify. And then there are C-sides as well. And and it's a game that I am over time trying to 100% because once you do, there's a final chapter that they release for free, which is incredible. So there's just so much to this game, uh, both in like the time you can spend with it and what you gain from it on an emotional level. Yeah. And it's also whatever you want it to be as well. You know, if it's just like a, if you want to make it a walk in the park, you can. If you want it to be this like nightmarishly challenging yet cathartic game, it can also be that. Yeah. Uh, it's truly just one of the best. And I think it is an example of like when people ask me and, and, and the purpose of this show is to like celebrate this medium that we love. I think Celeste is like objectively one of the games you can point to and be like, here's what games are doing now. That's so fucking rad. Like, look at this. Yeah, uh, totally. It's so good. I'll stop because the whole episode could me be it could be me saying all this over and over again. Uh, but yeah, yeah, get Celeste. It's good. Uh, do you want to move on to another video game? No, I want to talk more about Celeste. No, actually, yeah, let's move on. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about next? Is I've been I've been just doing my thing. Uh, I would love to talk about a short hike. Yes, please. Which uh, was also in this bundle and is a game that uh, made our game of the year list last year as well. 
Uh, at least mine. Did it make yours? I don't recall. Yeah. It did? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was higher on yours, but it was on mine as well. I mean, this game is incredible, too. Yeah. And it's also... Weirdly uh, similar. Uh, weirdly similar in the sense that it's about climbing a mountain and can be anything you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, it's a game that really celebrates the idea of... Celebrate might not be the right word, but it's definitely a game that explores the idea of giving you a critical path and the freedom to go anywhere mm-hmm. and what is to be gained if you if you veer off or if you stay on. You know, there's not really a right answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a game that can uh, I mean, it's called a short hike. It can be an extremely short video game. I think you could probably beat the whole thing in maybe 30 minutes. Uh, potentially, I ended up playing it for like two to three hours, if I if I recall correctly, uh, just because I it, it's the kind of world that I loved so much that I didn't want to leave until. Until I had seen like literally every inch of it, which like maybe isn't the way to do it, but uh, is the way that I did it and still walked away having a good time. It's it's a game where you play as a young bird who just needs to make it to uh, the top of a mountain um, for I actually don't want to say the reason because I, th- I think the end of that game is, is wonderful. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you, it's literally just that you just have to make it to the top of the mountain. It has the Banjo-Kazooie uh, mechanic of while you're flying through the air, you will be like draining a meter and you can uh, find like golden feathers to increase that meter so you can fly and glide more um you will walk around this mountain uh this like trail that leads up to the top and, and just meet a bunch of like great characters that you can talk to or just hang out with um there's like a walrus who teaches you how to fish which is like maybe one of my favorite moments of the game where he gives you a fishing pole and you just kind of like hang out with him on a dock and all the music fades away and you just listen to the ambient sounds of nature as you two are fishing together it's like just a beautiful beautiful game um i i i love it to death uh and i have made many people in my life play it uh because yeah. I, I i think it's such a special thing and uh, yeah check it out a short hike another amazing soundtrack that is on spotify as well yes yeah it's it's a great game it, it's like uh we described it i think to segue into the next game if you don't mind sure uh it is the sun to the next game's moon which is a night in the woods oh yeah um, similar, which we do have a whole it, episode about by the way um i think yeah. it's called have a, have a nice night in the woods yeah it's an early one uh we have an episode about short hike as well but yeah. Um, all that to say, Night in the Woods, you probably have heard of if you follow video games, is one of those like just sort of lightning striking moments of like an indie game getting the spotlight it deserves. Yeah. Um, similar to Short Hike in the sense of like a lot of it is sort of like the ambiance of dialogue, like kind of existing in this moment and talking to the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game, I, while a Short Hike is largely about kind of like, well, I won't, I won't actually spoil it because I think finding out what that game is about is really lovely. But A, a Night in the Woods, is about a, a young person named May, or young cat rather, who is at this like very ambiguous like Holden Caulfield ass moment in her life, <laughs> where uh-huh. uh, she dropped out of college and is at home. And the game gets like kind of progressively supernatural as it progresses. But I think the the reason that game resonates as strongly as it does is this like very crushingly real look at like a hopeless adolescence. Like a lot of these young people that like are really either trying to figure out what the next step in their adulthood looks like or rejecting it yeah so you have characters like uh i think her name is beatrice or bea the crocodile who like is brilliant and wants to go to college but can't because she's like the breadwinner for her family and Mm -hmm. like has to stay home yeah uh and then you have people like craig who are just like happy-go-lucky to the point of irresponsible yeah and then may is kind of navigating in the middle and then you know there's there's a there's an a plot that picks up that deals a lot with like dreams and and the supernatural and as we discussed in that episode that's oddly where the game loses me but i think 
what keeps me there and what keeps me recommending that game is the is the characters and the dialogue which are just so incredible not to mention the art style it's an incredible game it's definitely worth the hype yeah without without getting too much further into it because i talked about a lot in that episode from way back when um it is a game that i found uncomfortably close to uh my actual real life in in terms of uh in terms of what is happening to me in that story and uh and and just found it to be relatable to the point of um I i don't know terror (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's an unsettling uh, yeah. game as as like kind of appealing as the art is it definitely doesn't shy away from really dark subjects i'll say too just to wrap it up i believe the writer scott and a few other people that worked on the game are working on a new game soon they are oh, they just exciting. announced a new game yeah yeah so which we'll is exciting um yeah yeah uh, do you want to talk about oxen free a bit oh yeah totally that's actually another similar game we, we've talked about them alongside each other a lot Oxenfree is made by Night School Studios. I think it's their first game. They 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 released another game last year uh, called After Party, but Oxenfree came out in 2016 and is on everything. It's on I think PS4, which is where I played it, on Switch and on mobile, which is a cool platform to play it. I think yeah, because it is entirely. I believe that a few people who used to work at Telltale moved on to form Night School Studio, and you can definitely see that in the DNA. Yeah, because it's extremely dialogue driven, and it is a game that is. Large largely about unforeseen consequences of saying something in a moment. Uh, and every dialogue choice is timed, kind of like Witcher 3. So, like, I think that actually works out to the game's favor because you kind of have to gut impulse, say what you're going to say, and sometimes you regret it, but that's just what you were going to say in that moment. Mm-hmm. You play as Alex, who's a teenage girl who recently lost her brother uh, and goes to this island with her best friend, who's... Uh, kind of obnoxious, but, you know, has a good heart, I guess. And her new <laughs> stepbrother, uh, as well as her boyfriend's ex-girlfriend, or I guess his girlfriend, but he passed away. So she's, you know, no longer with him. Yeah. And there's just a lot of... And, and then uh, a girl who uh, Alex's friend is, like, trying to get to know better. And all those characters are, like, either really guarded or, like, excessively trying to break the other one's guard, mm-hmm. <laughs> like her friend. Yeah. So, like, it's a game that's really cool to see the relationships all kind of start at zero. And depending on how you play, you can see the characters either grow closer together or farther apart. And I think that is a game where the supernatural aspect of ghosts and time looping really do favor and intertwine with the narrative of this sort of coming of age moment. I think the idea of having a game that is all about resetting the past and trying to fix past mistakes fits very well well in that point in someone's life when they're like kind of re-examining themselves and figuring out what comes next but they're obsessed with looking backwards yeah to the point of reliving life uh, it's great i would highly recommend this game it's also shorter great soundtrack also on spotify i'm not a spotify salesman i promise i just you know it's where <laughs> i listen to music yeah i love it i'm sorry i've, I've been blabbling on no no uh, it's, it's a great say. game and and deserves um deserves that highlight uh yeah i i would just uh echo everything that you said but also uh as, as you mentioned it's available for ios that's where i played it uh it works very well on ios so um yeah if, if you have uh, a mobile device and you'd like to play it it's a good place to play it yeah i think it's available for pretty much everything though right it's like on switch and yeah. stuff cool any other games in this list that you want to bring up i have a couple more yeah another one is pyre i believe it's in the bundle oh yeah um, i forgot pyre was in here i have not played pyre yeah. still oh man uh so pyre is from super giant games you might know them from bastion and transistor uh they've been like i, I mentioned this in our games of the decade episode but bastion was like the first time i had like heard the term indie game like said uh you know that game came out i think in 2011 so like yeah as we re-examine the decade that was definitely like the early 2010s or when indie games were no longer like like you were on a curve.
first virus-ridden forum and found this like haunted game, but like yeah. getting actual distribution. And Bastion is just incredible, and I think Supergiant from there have really established their like auteur voice. Uh, Darren Korb does all the music, also on Spotify. <laughs> uh, and Pyre is a really interesting game that I think is is more overlooked than their other entries. I think it is this really wonderful combination of like a Oregon Trail Dragon Age game that is like half like traveling in this really lovely interpretation of like Frontier West Purgatory yeah, meets like very Dragon purgatorious. Age. Yeah. Um and the 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 game is about you're like in this traveling group of of like misfits that all have to play this version of fantasy rugby to escape purgatory. Yeah. And the core game, uh, I think we talked about how like Supergiant wanted this to be an esports game or at least had like intentions of it being played more competitively. Yeah. I think while the rugby is fun, that is easily the weakest part of the game. That's interesting. Sadly, it's very fun. Like it works. But for me, the reason I love this game is the Oregon Trail Dragon Age stuff, which is not surprising being me, a, a giant nerd. Yeah. But like, I don't know how much I, I imagine we must have talked about this in the episode where you brought Pyre to the table. But I, uh, I I played this game at PAX East like forever ago when they were, you know, when they had yeah. first announced it um, and had a blast with it. Specifically, uh, the, the only reason I got hands on with it was that there was a huge line to play this game and no line at all to play the multiplayer of this game. Because I, I think mm. just like people didn't realize that there was a multiplayer element. So there's this big line to do like the vertical slice of the single player. Uh, and, and my friend Pablo, who I was with, he and I just went and checked out the multiplayer and we just like hung out on on the system playing the multiplayer player for like probably like 20 to 30 minutes because nobody else showed up the whole time and got like very into the that version of like rugby that you're talking i mean it's called pyre right isn't that the name of of the sport itself um we got very into the mechanics of pyre where it was like the first round we're like oh yeah this is an interesting thing but like i'm not really sure like why they're going this direction we played another round and like kind of got a little bit more and then like three or four rounds in it like very much clicked for us and we got very intense um it, it it feels uh it feels incredible to play so I'm, I'm actually very interested in checking it out now that you mention specifically that, that that might be the weakest part of the game because boy did i have a good time with that and if i had a good I mean, time yeah, with that then i'm sure the rest of it is great and i mean they're known blast. for just incredible narrative anyway so like i'm sure it's great totally and i and i think more more than it's the weakest part of the game i just think the strongest part is like navigating this this fleet of people and what's really interesting is like the game like Basically, when you win this tournament, one person in your squad can leave Purgatory. Yeah. So the first time you do it, you have to choose, like, who gets to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's this really kind of brilliant moment of, like, oh, shit, well, like, I've grown to know these characters. Who do I let go and lose as a team member but, like, feel good for their story that they got out? So one of the characters is this, like, giant devil woman who's been there the longest. And I was like, you get to go. Like, you've been here. You put in your time. <laughs> There's also a dog with a mustache who's, like, a, a troublemaker. Yeah. And, like, a lot of the game is, like, they'll ask to do something and you'll say yes or no and there are unforeseen consequences. Like, there's really, there's a big, like, role-playing aspect to it as well. It's a really unique game. I, I, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's a blast. I wish it was on Switch. That would be like the perfect system for it. But it's on PS4 and computer, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's out on Switch yet, um, but it kind of seems bizarre that it's not, especially because Bastion, Bastion and, and Transistor, Transistor are both on there. Yeah. yeah. And and have been going on sale a lot recently as well on, on Switch, which is worth noting. Yeah. Bastion is on sale, I think, every day, it yeah. seems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I actually played my, my like main playthrough of Bastion happened for free because they released it on Google Chrome. They were 
like, oh yeah, we're just gonna see if we can port this to a web browser, and then they did. Uh, yeah, it, it, not like not like you visit a website and then and then you get to play Bastion on that website. It was like they literally ported it as if it was an extension for Google Chrome that you would play it in the extension. It was really bizarre, uh, but wow. it worked and uh, and it was yeah. great. Yeah, so that's Pyre. Yeah, man, I have, I have uh, so many other games to talk about in here. Uh, one that uh, I, I actually two that I could probably just kind of like fly through. Uh, number one is Nuclear Throne by Vlambeer, um, which is a wonderful, wonderful roguelike game. Uh, it's kind of just like a top down bullet hell shooter um, with just like a really, really strange art style um, that honestly, like it it draws a lot, I think, from the remake of Binding of Isaac, the like pixel art remake of Binding of Isaac, not the original Flash uh-huh. version, um, just in terms of its uh, like artistic uh, leanings. In, in that it's like a little bit gross, but very cartoony and like uh, is kind of, I think, emphasizing more um, color than Binding of Isaac ever wanted to. Uh, but it is very much like you pick a character, that character has a bunch of like specific skills and then you make your way from level to level, just like absolutely obliterating a ton of like really horrific beasts all over the place. Uh, and, and you try to not die and that's very hard and you will get better at it the more you play. <laughs> and that's Nuclear Throne. Um, that is pretty much available for everything. Uh, that is everywhere. Yeah. Um, I played uh, my my time with Nuclear Throne. Weirdly enough, is from like the earliest, earliest, earliest version of early access that was available. Um, where I, I, as soon as I heard that Vlambeer, who have made a ton of other games, Super Crate Box uh, is, is like one of their biggest ones. It was like the, the first game to ever get like platforming on mobile, right? Um, like to actually feel good <laughs> with like uh, on screen buttons and stuff like that. They made other games like Loof Trousers um, and, and uh, Ridiculous Fishing. I don't know. They're just great developers. Um, yeah. But as soon as I heard they were making a roguelike, I was like, yes, I am in on that. Yeah. And I uh, had a great time with it and still played a lot. Speaking of waiting for a developer to make a roguelike, we are both really antsy to play Hades eventually, which is super giant yes. roguelike. Yeah, great point. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's only on PC right now, which is like our big blind spot. So yeah. we'll get to that eventually. But yeah, I imagine um, that, that is out in early access. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. That'd be great. Uh, anything else that you wanted to get to? Yeah, I have three more games. Uh, oh yeah, go for it. One of them is called Paranautical Activity. Uh, I'm going to say that slower. Paranautical Activity is the name of it. Uh, it is a again very Binding of Isaac inspired video game. Um, just imagine Binding of Isaac, but in first person as a shooter instead of uh, you know the top down like kind of original Legend of Zelda dungeon crawling experience that you would get from Binding of Isaac. There's there's not a lot to say about this game, honestly, outside of just like it's an extremely competent uh, version of Binding of Isaac made in first person. Uh, you get a bunch of like absolutely bizarre, weird weapons. Uh, the whole thing is like kind of like a dark uh, nautical like voxel based shooter where it's like you're on a you're on like a cursed cruise ship uh, that is filled with demons and you make your way from room to room very much like Binding of Isaac all the classic shit where like you're picking up items that'll change how you play the game you'll get new weapons uh, your weapons will change depending on what items you have uh, you fight a boss at the end of every floor and you move on to the next floor like it is very much just like that gameplay to a T but of the many games that have tried to do this exact thing I think Paranormal Activity is the one that gets closest to it and it's also worth noting the developer of this game uh, eventually got booted from the game itself and had to sell it off to someone else because of some like really horrible shit that he said and now the new developer uh is just like taking this game and running with it and making it better and better so um there's no like i think moral objection to playing it anymore where there was for a while um yeah so paranormal collectivity cool game uh would recommend checking it out two games that i can just kind of fly through because i don't really want to say a lot about them outside of just like they're great and you should play them uh one i have mentioned in 
in the past, and I will say just about as much as I did last time. It's called Cinco Pouse. It is a game that is a roguelike for mobile and also apparently uh, PC and Mac, which I didn't realize until this bundle happened. Um, But it is a Portuguese roguelike. All of the text is in Portuguese and it can't be translated. And that is part of the game. Um, It is all about just like interpreting shapes and symbols uh, and and text that you maybe don't understand unless you read Portuguese and and uh, trying to figure out how to play this game uh, without any help or tooltips or anything. Um, it is like the, the thing that everybody talks about with roguelike games is like, oh, or a Souls game, for example, is every time you die, you learn something new about why you died, right? And you, and you try and avoid that in the future. What Syncopaus is trying to do is not only that, but saying every time you play this game, you'll learn something new about the mechanics just by interacting with and Tapping on everything you could possibly tap on. Um, and, and that is a wildly interesting game uh, to explore and uh, eventually master. Once you like once you figure out how that game works, you, you will have have a, have a feeling of elation and discovery that I don't think you'll get from most games. Um, so Cinco Pass, very interesting game. Um, it's by Michael Brow, uh, who has made just like a ton of incredible games uh, with like really intricate design. And uh, this is, I think, one of his best personally. Um, and and the last game I'll mention in this list is called Starseed Pilgrim, um, which is a game that I found on Twitter like eons ago. I don't even know when I played this game. I had it on Steam like forever ago, and I was amazed to just be scrolling through this bundle and find it on page like 30 something it is it is a uh, puzzle platforming game that i also don't want to say a lot about but what i will say is exactly what the developer said on the store page on itch.io for this game uh and and this is the quote i really don't like describing starseed pilgrim but if i don't i'm pretty much asking you to buy it based on images and that's maybe worse it's a game about discovery and learning and eventually about mastery of a strange set of tools it's been said and echoed that it's a game you have to experience for yourself and I guess I believe that. And that's all I'll say about Starseed Pilgrim. Uh, that, I love that. That's great. It's an amazing game. Uh, an amazing game for almost all the same reasons that Cinco Pass is an amazing game. Uh, and and I, I don't want to say much more than that. But in terms of uh, games that we have played and talked about before, that's pretty much it, with the exception of one which you and I wanted to talk about at, at the end of this list, which was Minute by Devolver Digital or published by Devolver Digital. I actually Digital. had two more quick ones, so that's oh, okay. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. We do yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this this will be really quick. Uh, Grindstone's also on there. Oh, that was fuck, the, really? Yeah. That was one of no the uh, flagship games in uh, Apple Arcade's launch that has since been released elsewhere. It is probably the most, it's like if you took Candy Crush and literally turned it into a very muscular blue man which is what has happened uh it is the most it's the most creatively delivered and strategic version of that type of classic matching puzzle game uh it's a blast it's so uh it's so well done very fun very addictive in a good way uh and and has a great soundtrack as well not on spotify i'm sorry oh no uh, i don't think but yeah grindstone's great and also octodad and its sequel are also on here oh i didn't know that game uh that you play as an octopus who's pretending to be a human father and is just incredibly funny and silly uh it's like co-op with a narrative that's my pitch for it (laughs) but yeah um those as far as i know and i'm sure that there are like three to five ones that we've missed are like the big games that we probably have talked about that we just wanted to touch on yeah Uh, but like you said uh minute was one that also just this kind of tentpole indie release that i i think brought up like really early on in the show like in passing and uh we both since put more time into because i'd only briefly played it and now we're going to discuss it a little bit more in depth yeah i played this is also a game i played at that same pax that i played pyre at weirdly enough Mm. um 
or actually it might have been the year after but either way uh, I, I played this game of packs i played their like vertical slice kind of demo of it which gets you through like the first area of the game but but to give you i guess a, a quick overview of this game um it is a black and white pixel art game very simple design uh but but very very expressive in in that simplicity um yeah. kind of has a top-down vibe very similar to i would say uh where like a halfway point between the original legend of zelda and then a link to the past uh in terms yeah. of like the the art style that they're going for and and is about a, a little person who uh ends up finding a magical sword that kills them every minute uh and every time you die you respawn in your house uh, and you just have to like try and figure out how to interact with the world, given the tools that you have to make it further to get to a second house. Whenever you die, you will spawn in that second house uh, and onward and onward and onward until you have finished the game. Um, but a lot of it is about interacting with the systems in the game. So like you pick up that sword and suddenly now you can cut through bushes. Uh, so great. Now you can cut through bushes and make it to new areas or you can uh, kill five crabs, for example, uh, for a shopkeeper, which you know shouldn't take you the whole minute to do. Uh, and then when you tell the shopkeeper that you killed the crabs, uh, they'll give you a key to another place. Or I think actually they give you a cup of coffee, which uh, gives you the strength to push boxes, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah uh, correct. Which is which is <laughs> hilarious. So like it's it's all about those little like uh, those almost like I would say fetch questy situations. But because they're constrained to 60 seconds at a time, you are just like constantly in a rush and constantly moving and constantly poking and prodding at things uh, where I, I think if this game didn't have the the minute limitation it would immediately just kind of like fade away in, into the distance um, but it is so tightly tuned between those 60 seconds and the level design that it is like impossible to play this game and not have a great time with it um, I, I think yeah. the, the one thing that I always point out whenever I tell people about this game and pitch them on it is um, there's a moment in the beginning in the opening area where you can make your way out to a lighthouse like at the end of a dock uh, and there's an old man standing at the end of the dock and if you talk to him he will talk to you not stop for the entire minute it takes him a whole minute to say <laughs> his voice yeah. lines um and and then you just die at the end of it and you respawn again uh it's it's hilarious every time yeah it's a really funny game too like i would say like in, in terms of the graphics you're right that it's like this very purposeful simplicity it, it also evokes to me like first game boy you know which is interesting because mm. i feel like a lot of purposely retro games mirror like nes or snes but this just feels like Game Boy One, which is a very like specific design. Yeah, if you play I this like. game windowed on your computer, it will be like the the actual screen will shrink down to almost Game Boy One size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it feels like an espresso shot of of like Majora's Mask in a sense that like both <laughs> yeah. games are about like really learning how life is progressing around you and making the most of each playthrough you have. It's never frustrating to die because you're always experiencing something new. I mean, there's a lot of times like there's <laughs> there's one point where the hotel owner needs to find three guests and one of the guests is a scuba diver that will only come up to breathe when you have 10 seconds left. <laughs> so you just have to wait for them yeah. to get it. So it's just, it's very silly. But once you have everything you need, once you have all the items and you can progress the way you want to, the game does take a minute to beat. You fight the sword factory owner uh, and then you throw your sword in the toilet. And that's how the game yeah. ends. Uh, spoiler. But it's actually funny too because you can unlock a mode. There's a ghost named Mary. And when you beat the game, you can play as the ghost and there's no time limit. So you can... Oh, interesting. In, in a post-game sense, just sort of enjoy the atmosphere without the limitation. But I think you're right. The game is so purposely designed around where... What can you realistically do in 60 seconds? Yeah. Um, and I find like it is also so tightly designed that 
that you usually have like 10 seconds to spare mm-hmm. when you have accomplished whatever your goal for that life is. Yeah, that, um, that, that crabs bit that I was just talking about where you have to kill the five crabs and then talk to the person who yeah. like owns the bar. Like that'll take maybe 30 seconds total. So like they give you yeah. a lot of leeway in that instance. And there's a very important mechanic where you can change where your spawn point is to various buildings. So yes. like... You might be like, okay, to accomplish X, Y, and Z, I have to get... And that's usually where it's the tightest. It's like to get to the next spawn point is usually like by the second. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, it's it's really fun. I I have it on PS4, so I actually played it on there rather than on my Mac. And I actually, we didn't touch on this, but we're both Mac users. So we were actually not severely limited in what we could play, but there was a limitation. There were at least like five games that because we have the current operating system of Mac, we couldn't play. Yeah, so at least all the games that I'll be talking about today are all games that I was able to run on Mac on uh, the Catalina beta or whatever it is that I'm on. I'm on like the developer beta of track yeah. of, of Mac OS at the moment. So all of the stuff that we're going to talk about, uh, we could play. There are some games that I wasn't able to play that I was very excited to play, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but Same. luckily I do have uh, an old Windows laptop that I might be able to turn on and like get some of that stuff to run on there. Um, cool. Notably, uh, the, the one that I wanted to play most that I just feel like shouting out because I'm sure it's great is Quadrilateral Cowboy by Blendo Games, um, which is a game I've wanted to play for actual literal years uh, and was the reason I ended up buying this bundle in the first place uh, outside of just wanting to donate to a good cause um i was like oh i'm so excited to play this then i ended up not being able to uh so i will check it out eventually and i can't wait to talk about it when i do because i'm sure that'll be like more of like a full episode uh discussion at some point but yeah do you want to you want to take a break now that we've talked about all the like kind of uh bigger tentpole games and then we can dive into the uh dive into the smaller stuff i was thinking the same thing brendan let's do it great cool break time it is baby let's do it see you soon bye Uh, you want to come back? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Hey, we're back, baby. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Some Vegas energy for you. That's right. Season three is going in a prop comedy direction. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mention this, but uh, Scout, who made the art for this season, uh, their contact information, not contact information, but their website is below. Their social so security can... number and uh, <laughs> bank passwords are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. We got we got permission to... Sorry, Scout. Uh, to let you all know what their mother's maiden name is, make a model of their first car, uh, <laughs> and, and pet's first name. Anyway, uh, pet's first name, first pet's name is what I meant there. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about video games. Well, available what were you going to say earlier? Itch.io. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scout's information <laughs> is down below, so you can uh, commission them to do whatever you want. Yes. Cool. Yeah, let's talk about the games, baby. The games in the bundle. The games you may not have heard of, or maybe you have, but we, did, we didn't. Yeah. Now we do baby. You're you're infectious. I wasn't even thinking about talking like this, and now I am. The Last of Us Three is just this podcast where everybody's walking around <laughs> going, "Baby, <laughs> rethink the fungal blossom face and clicking, and just going, baby, <laughs> <laughs> shoot him in the face." <laughs> Okay, sorry. All right. Uh, what games did you play? What, what are you What are you kicking this off with? Um, BB? I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this off with um. Hmm. Wow. Big list. All right. I'm gonna kick yeah. this off with a game uh by a team or person. Not sure. Uh, we 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 have the names, at least the the itchio names of all the developers on here. Uh, but this is by uh, Party for Introverts, and the game is called Thing in Itself. Did you play this? No, I haven't. I'm very excited. Tell me all about it. Okay. Cool. I I'm very excited to 
see how much overlap there is between our lists. But yeah, uh, me I too. mean, because there's like uh, there's so many games. The, the odds of us actually having any overlap is going to be wild, except for the games that you and I specifically told each other to play. I yeah. think. But anyway, thing in itself, it is a very short. I would say like 15 to 20 minute, maybe uh, narrative driven game. It feels weird to say it. It's in first person, but it sure is in first person. Um, and you're essentially wandering around this guy's apartment. And the the game opens up with you as as this player character having a conversation with your partner at the time um, who is explaining uh, Kant's theory of objects, uh, mm. which which is this interesting uh, philosophical idea that uh, you can never truly understand or know an object um, and that an object like a lamp, for example, can't exist without the without the uh, subjective viewpoints that you have on that lamp uh, without without any kind of um, hmm, how do I put this subjective word? perception I, I guess. guess yeah yeah, yeah. W- yeah. W- without without um, without some kind of uh, description given to that lamp by you consciously or subconsciously that lamp technically doesn't exist is the idea mm. um, and and what this story revolves around is uh, your, your partner telling you about this uh, followed by uh, you kind of wandering around your apartment um, just kind of like getting ready to go out on a date and as you walk around uh, to your apartment to get ready for this date as you look around at objects in your apartment they all kind of have memories tied to them um like every single thing in your apartment it's like oh these are the books that my partner like uh bought for me that i still have to like get through or whatever or like this is uh you know this is the fish that we bought together or whatever you know like uh, the fish has a name but it also even though it is self-aware it has all of these uh descriptors kind of added to it based on your own relationship to it and as you're going through and and uh getting ready for this date you get a phone call from your partner who is like i don't think we should see each other anymore and and you get dumped over the phone essentially and you have to like choose dialogue options to get through this conversation which is a bummer uh and then immediately all of the objects in your room change in accordance to how you now feel about those objects Mm, and your relation to your partner so it, it is very much um an exploration of that theory of objects uh via just like labeling items in an apartment uh which is very interesting it it it, uh i would say like has three or four acts to it uh what i just described is the first act so there are more turns in that story i i wouldn't say personally that the story is like revolutionary but what it does very effectively is illustrate that idea in a way that like anybody can wrap their head around Um, yeah totally because like those books are suddenly things you want to throw out you know um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, copy paste that to, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 different items in that apartment. Um, and, and you have like a really interesting situation. Um, even even the lighting in the apartment will change uh, depending on how you feel on that day and things like that. Um, you know, so so the entire vibe of the apartment will change depending on your relationship to it. Uh, it's great. It's a great it's a great game. I mean, uh, that's actually probably a thing we shouldn't say. We wouldn't be talking about these games if they weren't good. Uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm not going to just say great game. You should check it out. But uh, thing in itself is a video video game on Twitch, Twitch itch.io that you can go check out uh, by party for introverts. Yeah, that's, I think you can say it's great. Why not put a little cherry on top? We know it's great (laughs) and you have to say it again. It's so great. You got to say it twice. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I definitely want to check it out because I I think that that's such a relatable scenario. Like I, I immediately thought of like after certain breakups, like what bands I couldn't listen to for like a year. I can't even think about listening to modest mouse for the next 10 years. Yeah. That's the thing is like the, the story is, is so kind of like exactly what every breakup story is like you know it, there's there's yeah, absolutely nothing general. shocking in it it's just it's just the way in which they use that to to illustrate its point i, th- I think is it's really spectacular and and 
yeah, it's it's very cool. Uh, even very even cool. like things will like change size depending on how important they are to you at certain moments, you know, so like it gets a little bit surreal at times. Very simple in terms of art style. It's like, you know, it, it's almost nothing. It's just like this apartment with like pretty simple textures. And then all the objects in the rooms are all like almost like Bug Fables, Paper Mario, just like kind of flat sprites, essentially in this 3D environment that you're making your way around, which is which is kind of cool. But I think one of my favorite things about a lot of the games that I'm going to talk about today are just like they're short and they illustrate their point uh, and, and you're kind of in and out and you can move on to the next one. Um, I, I'm kind of amazed at how many of these games I was able to just like fly through. You know, thing in itself is is probably not a thing that I'll go back to and play again at some point. But I am glad that I did it the first time, you know. Um, totally. That's not to say that there aren't games in here that I won't play again because there absolutely will. And there's some that I'm going to play a lot of. And and I think all of the games that we talked about in the first segment today are all games that would like fall under that uh, category as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, but but thing in itself just being this like, what if we just made a game that just wanted to tell this one story to prove this one point uh, in a way that that just kind of like is, is easy for anyone to understand? I think it's great because even like I did some research into into the theory of objects. Um, it's actually not even called it's not even called that. That's the way it's described in in uh the game but it's actually called let me bring it up i just had it open again Cons- transcendental idealism is, is the is the way it's described or at least the way he introduced it um and people like dunked on it constantly when he first introduced it they were like this sucks actually this doesn't make any sense um and and i think this game does a really good job of, of proving the haters wrong in a weird way uh, not yeah. proving them wrong because it's like a philosophical idea it doesn't mean it's going to be you know correct or incorrect um but at, at least um you know this is a pretty good boon to that to that concept so yeah, totally thing in itself. I think the conversation too about like how a lot of these games veer towards like being shorter and more like direct with what their intention is. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I don't want to speak on every game's like development journey, but I do think like inherently with, with big budget triple A stuff, you have a lot of external pressure to like fulfill a lot of different roles. Like a yeah. lot of games are pressured into having multiplayer. A lot of, a lot of them are like, I think uh, shoot the lamp with your buddies. Yeah, like <laughs> I think Naughty Dog and Bioware uh, historically have had this history of like seeking to make single player narrative games, and yet they're always somehow forced to do a multiplayer on top of that in yeah. some way. And it's not inherently bad, but I think you see the value in like a game just being like, we're here to do this and we're out. And there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, not every like I I love a good old fashion 1000 hour open world rpg mm-hmm. but i think uh, a lot of times in, in the triple a like market there's this tendency to like see what works and try to ape that until it's over yeah so like you know not every game needs to be skyrim and and, and i think we're i think we're truly veering away from that as we see like th- that that opens a lot of other doors of like crunch culture and other things that like i hope we're veering away from but i do think like there's a reason there's not a coincidence that indie games are like able to do the thing without being forced to do a million other things. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, thing in itself. Is that what it was called? Yeah, thing in itself. Very cool. Uh, I guess I'll I'll go next. Uh, oh man, what am I gonna bring up first? Uh, I think I'm gonna bring up a game called Islands Non Places. Uh, yeah, this is one. Did you play this one too? I played it this morning. Yeah, cool. I think I recommended this to you because it did. just seemed like very up your alley. Uh, it is by uh, Carl Burton LLC. That's what's yeah. credited on on itch. Carl Burton is known for making um, some like really like kind of uh, like wild and out there uh, gifs that are used like all over the place by like New York Times and like various publications. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So like imagine um, you know. 
you'll talk more about what the game actually looks like and what it is, but imagine this game, but in GIF form used to just like illustrate the idea of an article. And like, that's kind of what Carl Burton is known for. Uh, So this is like, what if I took that and made it an interactive experience, which is very cool. So anyway. Yeah, it's, um, it's really, really cool. It's a very, um, I struggle to find like how to even define it, but I think it makes sense that this is from a team that is, I guess, involved in some sort of graphic design because it's essentially divided into 12, like, I want to call them like just short vignettes, like 12 settings yeah. that you are looking at from a kind of third person, not always a bird's eye view, but you're looking at, you're, you're rarely in it. You're usually looking at these settings yeah. and you can rotate them around with WASD or arrows. Yeah. Ju- and just usually, A and D. There's no, there's no W or S involved right. here, right? You're only yeah. rotating these things left and right on kind of an axis. Yeah, um, which kind of is mirrored by the, like, I guess, like, hub world of this circle with, like, lights lighting up every time you've finished one of them. Yeah. But basically, you're rotating these settings, and then parts of them will start glowing. And when you click on the glowing parts, the environment begins to change. It's a game I would highly recommend playing when you're about to go to sleep. Because it is so... (laughs) And it sounds like an insult, but I truly mean it. Because it is so dreamlike in a way that doesn't feel forced. Because I think a lot of things that try to be surreal are like, oh what if like the hallway is different you know but this is like <laughs> truly kind of uh surreal in the way things fl- so the whole game is like environments changing basically but there's usually this kind of unconscious connection between them so one of the early ones is like you're at a bus stop and you click on where like a ad would be like a you know i don't even know what to call them but you know like a yeah there's like those large screen ads that'll be yes. at the end of the bench yeah uh so that is glowing when you click on it a bus comes out of the ground and a bunch of eggs come off the bus and then sit in the bus stop and then the ads become red and it becomes like an incubator. So that's like and that's an the whole thing, example. by the way. There's that's no, the whole there's, thing. It's not like, yeah. okay, then the eggs hatch and whatever. It's like, that's yeah. actually just where it ends and you move on and to the next not, one. It's not delivered in like a fucking Banksy way, like, oh, you're all chickens, man. It's just like, <laughs> it's, it's just this kind of stream. It's this sort of like going from A to D logic of like, okay, what does this remind you of in a way that like flows in this sort of dreamlike way? One of the standouts for me early on was this uh, like hotel lobby kind of setting that was like a few desks with laptops Mm, and a palm tree in the middle. And that place slowly fills with water and like ritualistically and the whole game feels very like ritualistic in in a kind of calming way. All the things like ascend above the water but your perspective stays where it is so eventually you're underwater and these kind of mechanical columns have these weird like fishy tendrils underwater and you kind of see like the game often explores this idea of like natural and mechanical sort of coming together in some way yeah yeah um and and it's really beautiful i I don't really want to describe too many of them because i think a lot of the if there is something here to like frame as a game it is that discovery it is like clicking on something and watching what happens yeah but i think a standout for me is also at the end where the the perspective is actually looking up at something for the first time you're looking up at this like radio tower kind of like our season one image weirdly enough it's like this radio tower going (laughs) Mm -hmm. up and it's covered in mushrooms and the mushrooms are like letting out these like glowing spores that are collected into this box and then you follow the box to the top of this tower and it lets it out into the sky and it implies that it is making starlight it's really beautiful yeah. I think it's the last one and it's just a really like it's also really short I think it's like maybe an hour or an hour and a half total yeah maybe even less than that honestly but it's it's a very like I think it's sort of this kind of related opposite to like a walking simulator where like 
there are a lot of games that are like you are some type of protagonist walking through an environment and it's soaking in the atmosphere, maybe learning a bit about a story. But this is the first time I've seen it where it's like you're really nothing. It's just the setting. You're just seeing a setting unfold and then that's it. And you can kind of take away whatever you want from it. Not in a way that you feel robbed, but in a way you're just like, wow, that was really fascinating in a dreamlike way that I could interpret it however it applies to me. Talk yeah, about that's kind of the, uh, the thing inside with like what this means to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of the biggest thing about this game that I, I walked away from it uh, considering was just like of of the ones that I went through, like which of them meant something to me and which of them didn't and, and how OK is that in certain situations, right? Like it, the part of my brain that lit up is like the I'm at an art museum part of my brain, you know, like the yes, the, I'm going to stare at this, you know, you'll you'll wander around looking at a bunch of different pieces on, on the walls or like, uh, I don't know, statues or whatever, sculptures, anything. Um, and, and eventually one of them will click with you for reasons that you don't understand. You'll just stare at it for like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes and like try and kind of work out why your brain is so attached to this thing. Um, and I think going through Islands on Places, there are a couple that really do stand out as like very specific moments where where that part of my brain lit up and I was like, oh, shit, I'm thinking about all of these things that I would normally uh, attribute to like, you know, a painting on a wall in a gallery. Um, one one, I think, example, and then I don't want to describe anymore for the same reason you don't want to describe yeah. it anymore. But but one of the earliest ones that I was like, I, I, I wasn't like super enthralled by when I started it. And by the end of it, like became one of my favorite ones. It's just like a fountain in the middle of a mall. At least like it's worth noting the sound design in this is unbelievable. Incredible. They, they tell you to wear yeah. headphones and like absolutely wear headphones. There's a lot of like kind of 3D spatial audio stuff happening, um, you know, so so you feel uh, very immersed in these places, even if you can't see what they actually are. Uh, so in, in this instance, you just see a fountain uh, and I'm implying based on the audio that it's in a mall. But anyway, you're looking at this fountain and there's like six lights kind of surrounding the fa- the main fountain in the middle. Uh, and if you click on the fountain itself, like the, where the water is coming out, it turns off and it breaks. Uh, and then the rest of the, the quote unquote level um, is is you just like trying to fix this fountain as it rises out of the ground uh, and and as uh, this like column below the fountain starts to rise uh, it becomes more and more kind of engulfed by nature as you were talking about before um, and and you just kind of like have to you know twist around and like find uh, ways between all the piping and stuff to click on uh, objects that'll you know kind of allow you to fix some stuff uh, and then it'll rise even more and you'll just kind of get further and further down until it's like basically just like fungal moss at the bottom uh, that it turns out is like operating this thing in the first place and I just remember thinking as I was going through it like this is exactly what would have gone through my head as like a five year old in a mall like if I yeah, <laughs> if, I, if yeah. I was five years old and I was looking at and I was like bored you know because like I was with my parents or something and they were like shopping for adult shit I don't know what uh, and, and I was just like staring at this fountain like this is the exact thing that my brain would concoct you know totally um, and and it's those moments that I find really striking ab- about this game um, I, I, I wrote down that it's uh, a surrealist environmental toy uh more than a game um because it really is just like kind of the the like childlike exploration of just like clicking on things and seeing what happens um and yeah there's not there's not a lot of like discrete actual puzzle happening here it, it is more just like immersing yourself and and experiencing it uh that then playing it if that makes any sense yeah it, it's a really lovely experience i think i think you nailed it in the sense that the, there's a lot of like childlike imagination being thrown at very like mundane things yes 
Uh, yeah. It's sort of like, you know, exactly. I think I think describing it as a surrealist toy is very interesting. But yeah, I would highly recommend it. And this is a game that I think like anyone, anyone would appreciate. You know, I think sometimes there are games that require like a pre-existing knowledge or maybe like, oh, if you like X, then you might like Y. But this is like, you just will enjoy the the ambiance of it, you know? Yeah. So. Cool. Uh, that's, islands non-places. Yeah, islands non-places. Really, really interesting thing. Um, would would recommend it. Totally. Um, whew, wow, what do I want to talk about next? Um, here's one that I can just kind of fly through pretty quick because uh, it's more fun to play it than to talk about it or hear me talk about it. But there's a game um, that uh, I, I actually don't know how to pronounce the developer's name. I think it's uh, Daichi Fob, D-A-I-C-H-I-F-O-B. Um, and, and the game is just called Stop, uh, lowercase s. Uh, and it is a... Kind of like um, one room at a time, like level based puzzle game. Uh, very much reminds me in design of N and N plus, if you recall that game, uh, like very early flash game that ended up getting ported to like mm. DS and like everything else, essentially. Um, but it's a game where you're just kind of like bouncing off of walls and avoiding getting shot by like rockets and lasers and shit like that. Uh, and you just have to make it from like point A to point B or like find some keys so you can unlock some doors and whatever. Uh, but every every level is like a discrete kind of like platforming puzzle that you're going to have to solve. Um, maybe not on like a Super Meat Boy in a way. Uh, but this game, Stop, what, what it's trying to do is, is kind of interesting where the whole game is built around the mechanic that uh, at any point you can press, I forget what button it is, I think it might be X. You can press X and you can freeze time. So if there's a thing shooting at you, you can freeze time and just kind of like maneuver around the thing that's shooting at you. Or if there's a platform that's moving left or right or a bunch of platforms that are moving left or right, uh, you can freeze time and then use them, you know, exactly where they're placed to move to another object. Um, but where it gets very interesting is they do give you a gun at a certain point and uh, if you shoot the gun and then freeze time you can jump on the bullet and use that as a platform to reach higher areas which is uh, what, oh, gets, wow. what gets used a lot um, so really 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 cool game just yeah it, very very uh, very beautiful in terms of its actual like design design like the graphic design of the thing is uh, really gorgeous uh, so yeah I would recommend it it's called Stop very cool I like that sounds awesome similarly in kind of an arcade fashion I played a game called Sonar Smash did you play this one? No, I didn't. Okay, cool. Uh, Sonar Smash is by Pixel Pajama Studios. I think it's also on mobile. Ooh. It is a game where you play as a dolphin uh, shooting sonar waves at various underwater enemies. Mm -hmm. It's like real simple, like real Galaga days, like shoot him up. But it is very and very much intensified by like an incredible soundtrack, like really cool, uh, like lo-fi like upbeat lo-fi hip-hop i guess uh would be would be how i describe it and also just like a really like cute aesthetic it's very uh it's just very addictive like you it starts off very simple and like your ability to shoot sonar beams is pretty slow so like at first i was like okay like i wonder where this is gonna go and the farther you get in you know the the music changes and the enemies become more complicated where like there's one where you if you shoot it once it will reflect your next shot you know, for the next few seconds and then it will go back. And every like kind of roguelike every few levels, a submarine shows up and you can buy certain upgrades that will carry over, you know, as you progress. So yeah. it's just like really simple and it and it should like there are so many games like this that I that I half expected it to kind of like fall flat amidst them. Mm. But it's it's doing something really uh uniquely, I think, with with the presentation and the music and also the sort of like roguelike upgrade mechanic within the kind of Galaga arcade game. I think it's really fun. I'd recommend it. I don't really have much to say. It's just like a really fun time. Yeah, I do want to let you know that I did download it for iOS as you were talking about it and I'm playing it right now. <laughs>
<laughs> How do you like it? Uh, it's great. It's great. It's yeah. free, which I didn't realize. Um, oh, wow. It's free on iOS, so you can go check it out there. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. just like a sure thing. It's it's just like a super fun arcade game um, yeah. that is somehow fresh despite being like a very tried and true. I guess it's like a very tried and true formula, but it's doing something that I think enhances it a bit. Yeah, totally. Cool. Uh, here, here's another game that I can just fly through. It's by a Vector Hat, and it's called Radical Solitaire, which is a game that I was maybe planning <laughs> on not talking about originally uh, because my, uh, my one bullet point for this was just... Sure. Uh, but then, I went, <laughs> uh-huh. then I, I went and I checked out the store page uh, for it just to see if I was missing anything. Um, and, and the sales pitch for this game by Vector Hat is just, quote, a downloadable waste of time. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and here's the thing. I downloaded it because uh, it has a great aesthetic. It's a little bit cyberpunky. It's like one bit, like first version of Mac OS ever, like one bit. Um, but has like a vaporwave aesthetic to it uh, and is solitaire. And I love solitaire. And and mm. for those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time, you know how often I bring up like solitaire variants and stuff. Uh, and it turns out that this really is just solitaire. There is no like twist on this at all. It is just like solitaire, but it looks cool. And uh, that was enough for me. So radical solitaire. It's on itch.io. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Uh, yeah, we, we we had a heated discussion about solitaire in last episode and, and ranking the 51 clubhouse classics for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, but yeah. Klondike versus Spider Solitaire. <laughs> I think you're right. I think Spider is not as good, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I have such fond memories of playing Spider Solitaire like before school in like 2003. Yeah, in the computer room in your, yeah. in your house. Yeah, when everybody <laughs> that had was that. also where the cat litter was. So it was a kind of a nightmare. <laughs> anyway, um, mine too. Oh, actually, what am I thinking about, I'm thinking about it? Yeah. It's so weird. I think like looking at houses now that still have like what is intended to be an office, but it's like, okay, this will just be the worst bedroom now. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is designed for, for a Microsoft XP setup, but yeah. now it's just the unlucky bedroom. <laughs> anyway, the next thing I'm going to bring up is something that I have a decent amount to say about it. I really love this game. I mean, I loved all these games, but this one I think struck a especially strong chord with me. It's called Far From Noise, um, and it is by uh, George Bachelor. Did you play this one? Uh, I started playing it and then ended up not going back to it. And I am kicking myself because I forgot that I meant to. Uh, oh, okay. No worries. Yeah. It's there when you need it. Man, this is this is actually the first game I checked out in the bundle. I, I will say it's hard not to be superficial when choosing the games here. Because, like, you really only have the image and, like, however they're pitching themselves. So, yeah. like, it's kind of like ch- uh, judging a book by its cover initially. Um, right. And, and Far From Noise in that was one of the ones that immediately caught my eye. The art is, like, this beautiful... My favorite color, I think, is, like, orange when it's about to be pink. Like, the su- like polluted sunset orange. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, I wish it wasn't polluted, but, you know, it looks a good sunset. It has that kind of burnt sunset with like a shadow of a of a stag in front of it, like this mm-hmm. antlered beast. Uh, and I was like, what is this? I already love this. I'm excited. And I went in completely blind, which I will say might be the best way to play this game. So if you trust me enough just to do that, maybe skip ahead in the show notes. We'll have the games, I imagine. Or something, but for yeah. anyone. Yeah. Or something. But for everyone else who, who wants to hear, I, I won't spoil the whole experience, but I will describe what it is. It is very much a dialogue-driven game, kind of like Oxenfree or or Night in the Woods. But I think it has much more in common uh, with the dialogue mechanics of Kentucky Route Zero in the sense that you're not choosing 
things that will change the plot as much as you're choosing things that will change the flavor of the scene or maybe what they're talking about. Mm, you know, yeah. stuff like topics of conversation or, or names of things, but not like what ends up happening, at least as far as I know. But it, it struck me that way. Basically, the whole game takes place on this beautiful cliff. It's this rocky cliff overlooking the ocean. There are like, there's like a red bush and there's a tree that is rooted on the edge, the literal edge of the cliff. There's a tree, its roots like wrap around the edge of the cliff. So it looks like it's about to fall off, but it's stuck there. And almost mirroring that is this car that has almost driven off the edge of the cliff and it is rocking it's like teetering, back and yeah. forth. It's teetering. So the very beginning of the game is you you play as the person who is in this car and she is just sort of like realistically grappling with the situation. It's it's a pretty funny game uh, yeah. despite everything. Uh, she is kind of going through all the stages of like grief and acceptance and denial of like being on the edge of this cliff and is trying to figure out if there's a way to get out safely but it becomes unclear if this is on purpose or not and i think that that kind of remains ambiguous throughout the whole game Mm. but as the game progresses you learn more about her in the sense that and you can also choose some things about her background like what she was into in college and you know what she names the car that kind of stuff but She's sort of on, on a grander scheme grappling with like appreciating life, essentially. You know, she's grappling yeah. with with either being overcome by by her own worries and, and pressure versus appreciating what is currently around her. Uh, so eventually uh, the stag on the cover shows up and it is quickly revealed that it can talk. Uh, and it's <laughs> this game. This game does very clever things with the dialogue where the person in the car, it's just speech bubbles that you click. Even if you don't have a choice, you just click it to progress the scene. But the stag's dialogue is on the bottom of the screen in black. So it, it has a very different, even though you, there's no voice acting, it it, fe- it it sounds different in your head when you read it, right? Yeah. So cool. the stag shows up and, and 90% of the game is them just talking. And, and the stag is this kind of mysterious being that is there to help her. But it's never like... It's never like the stag is this like complete voice of reason. And and it's like they have enough of a back and forth that they are also just getting to know each other. And it's done in a very funny way. I I think the stag is introduced in a way that like is is both funny and mysterious. And yeah, it's just like a really touching story. It's also like maybe two hours. Oh, wow. And, you know, both these characters have like a nice arc and then it ends and uh it's really beautiful. It's like a really just solid narrative. It, it, it's one of those games that like accomplishes more in two hours than a lot do in like 40. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you're just like in a car on the edge of a cliff talking to a stag. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, easily like I'm, we're not ranking these, but it's definitely one of my favorites I played in the bundle. Yeah, uh, I would I would I would put it up with like, you know, with, with with a lot of the ones we highlighted earlier in the episode. It's it's very good. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back to it. Um, I, I was kind of smitten by it initially. And then I was like, do I go back to this thing or do I check out uh, 20 other video games? Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's I, hard to. I went yeah. and did that. Uh, but I will definitely check this out because it sounds great. Um, yeah. <clears throat> far okay. from noise yeah far from noise uh next up okay uh if you're talking about one that you, you love i'll talk about one that i like this is one that i will definitely like go back and play a lot of i think um and and i would love to just like champion this game forever uh, especially if it like turned into something bigger than what it is here but this is a game by ghast it's called skeletris like maybe unsurprising again to those of you who've listened to the show for a long time um but i i just went and like played a lot of the roguelikes that were that were available yeah. in here um and of all of the ones that i played 
you, like, this is the one that to me is like just ripe for something. Like, I just want to play this constantly. And, and I have like, this is the one that I have gone back and played multiple times. So the whole idea of this game is you are just like a skeleton in a dungeon. It looks very similar um, in kind of aesthetic to uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, uh, mm-hmm. but is, I think, except for uh, one specific thing, is entirely in black and white. Very simple. It has like that turn-based uh, kind of mechanic that Crypt of the Necrodancer does where you will move you know, uh, one space in front of you. It's just kind of like a up, down, left, right kind of situation. You will move a space, then all the enemies in the room will also move a space. Um, So every time you move, the enemies will move as well. Uh, If you attack, the enemies can attack back, things like that. So, you know, there's just like that inherent part of it where it's like avoid enemies or attack enemies to make it from one place to another. Uh, But where it really, really shines, and the thing that I think is fucking brilliant about this game uh, is the drops and items in this game are all uh, like Tetris pieces essentially. Um, oh, cool. So you will get this Tetris piece, so it'll be like an L block, for example, uh, and and the L block uh, will give you more health, or will give you more damage, or something like that. Um, and you're given an inventory space that is not unlike what you would get in like a Resident Evil 4, for example, and you have to be able to fit all of these Tetris pieces together in such a way where you're giving yourself enough buffs and enough weapons and enough whatever that that you feel like you can move on to the next uh, stage of of the game. Um, So a lot of the game is about like sitting there and just staring at your inventory, figuring out like, okay, how the fuck do I get this piece to fit in here? Uh, You know, like a dagger, for example, if you want to use a dagger as a weapon instead of just your fists, um, you know, that's just like two blocks. It's, 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 you know, the, the hilt and then the blade. And that's just two blocks like up and down. Um, And sometimes like getting that dagger to fit in is going to be impossible. And you just have, to like hope that you can get enough other pieces uh that that will increase your damage enough that like it offsets the uh, not having a weapon in the first place and and the shapes that you get get increasingly more uh more complex so they just kind of like break out of being tetris blocks eventually and just become like huge mangled uh like uh objects that are just like super hard to fit together and uh although you have this like equipable inventory space you also have just like an actual inventory space where you can store things so you can pick up a shitload of these buffs and things and then and then just sit there and like kind of fiddle around with them until you get the uh the stats that you want it is like unbelievable game design it is an incredibly compelling piece of design here uh, I, I i loved playing skeletris and i have played it a lot and the reason i haven't checked out more games in this bundle is because i keep going back to play skeletris instead yeah um i will say the one thing about it is that i'm like not a huge fan of the music uh so i just listen to spotify in the background and uh, <laughs> that's what i do gotcha. with every roguelike i love anyway so um yeah you know, fine skeletris <laughs> i that's such a cool way to like literally gamify inventory management, which ends up becoming a big part of any game like that anyway. Yes. So you might as well like have fun with it. I never thought I never thought that the Resident Evil 4 management was like Tetris, but it really is. Yeah. I just, you know, um, Ta- yeah, so take, cool. taking those objects and applying uh, stats to them and saying if it's in your inventory, that means you get that buff is like such a like brilliant thing that I'm amazed I've never seen it before. Uh, and, totally. maybe, and it's possible that that does exist elsewhere um but i haven't seen it implemented at least in in a way that is so that 
I haven't seen it implemented in a way where the entire game revolves around just that. You know, the the idea yeah. that you could play Resident Evil Four or another game like that that has that kind of inventory management system and say, uh, like, why are there zombies and other things here? Why wouldn't that just be the whole game by itself? Is like so great. Um, yeah, yeah. Skeletris is an incredible game, and I, I'm so excited to play more of it. And honestly, like, if this went the way of like a Spelunky or a Binding of Isaac or something else like that, where like it just like got a bigger, larger release elsewhere later. I would I would just scream from the mountaintops that everybody needs to play this at all times, <laughs> which is already what I want to do with this with this version that exists currently. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. That's amazing. Uh, we want to move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one here that I know we both played It is Plant Daddy uh, and it is yes. by uh, Brady Soglin. Worth noting, this is a game you can play in browser, which I would recommend because boy, has there never been a better game to play while working. It stands on its own, but I think that that uh, is a great way to play this game as well. Um, it is essentially like, you know, a, a, a pet game for plants. So you yeah. have a windowsill. It's a very like I noticed we talked about this uh, term soft 3D. Uh, Far From Noise has this as well, where mm-hmm. it's like that Sinar Wild Hearts or Kentucky Rat Zero like style of 3D graphics where it's like purposely unrendered in yeah. a way that is like not quite uncanny FF7 sprites, but like, you know, retro there yeah. uh, in a way. Um, plant Daddy is like that kind of very simple 3D graphics and you choose a variety of plants to put on your windowsill. You start off with one windowsill. You let it absorb sunlight and water it and it grows over time it gives you i think leaves that you can use to buy more plants and other things like more windowsills and stuff it's like you could fill in the rest from what i just told you yeah but it's just really fucking chill yeah top fun. level it's an idle game which is like yeah kind of my bread and butter i play a shitload of idle games and i i that's like the one genre that i think it's dunked on the most that i love to champion uh, on yeah. the show but uh yeah it's it's an incredible idle game i think i think some of the things that like really stood out to me uh and the reason i spent my entire day having this on in the background while i was working as you were just talking about uh is that the the ambiance of this game is unbelievable just having this game on in the background you will just constantly hear like the the sounds of nature outside every once in a while uh like it, it'll start to rain and you'll get like this great like thunderstorm ambiance but also at any moment you can open the windows and you don't realize this until the first time you do it but all of the sound and all the ambiance is muffled until you open up the windows and you let it in uh, and then it's like full blast like here's just nature inside your house um, and you can just check in every like you know half hour to an hour uh, and, and just like collect all the stuff that you need to collect and then buy more stuff and just kind of like I don't know let it grow over, over the course of time uh, and, and eventually you'll have like a really beautiful room filled with a bunch of furniture and plants all over the furniture and yeah, it's it's really great. I love yeah. Plant Daddy. Um, yeah. and I, I kind of want to play it more and I probably will. <laughs> yeah, this is one I'll go back to for sure. It's also worth noting that like it happens pretty quickly still. So it's, it's not the kind of game that like you can leave it on in the background, but you don't need to wait too long to like get it moving. Yeah, the plants grow pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, it's, it just it also lets you name the pets, which I really oh, excuse me, name the plants. Yeah. I kept saying pets. It shows how much I care about them. Uh, <laughs> you can name the plants, which I, I thought was a fun detail. Hey, and you change their pot and then suddenly they grow like dramatically, which I I need to do with my real life plants right now looking at you aloe vera and basil <laughs> um but yeah i would highly recommend this game it's super fun super chill and like you said it's it's uh it's a great idol game and and is representative of what that genre can do very well yeah um yeah plant daddy uh great name also mm-hmm 
How about this? We've been talking for like 45 minutes. You want to take another break and then come back and talk about some more games? Yeah, dude. Let's do it. Cool. I'm going to repot my plants and watch them grow. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Hey, we're back in part three of season three, baby. Uh, Anyway, I know for a fact, Brendan, that you Mm -hmm. played more games than I did. And I think you wanted to touch on a few of them real quick before we go into our back and forth. Yeah, I I think there's just like a bunch that I would like to fly through and at least like just acknowledge um, just games that are doing some interesting things that that, uh, you know, maybe maybe wouldn't get the the full spiel, but are are definitely still uh, worth mentioning and and talking about. Yeah. So just to fly through some of them uh, very quickly, there are a lot of Pico 8 games in this list. Yeah. uh, Which I was really surprised by. uh, And and. On top of all that, the the Pico 8 itself is also included in the bundle. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, Pico 8 is a fake game console uh, that some developers created uh, that exists essentially as a conduit for more games. Um, So, for example, the original version of Celeste uh, was a Pico 8 game, was a game that was created for this this fake video game console that you can like go download and then you can download ROMs to play on the Pico 8, um, which is is really rad. Um, and, And there are a bunch of Pico games that were in this bundle as well the first one i ended up playing was called galactic wars which is just like it's funny you mentioned galaga before i mean this is just like straight up galaga but like for the pico 8 and it is is really fun really colorful uh, a lot of really great like particle stuff going on here um it, the pico 8 by the way is like very low res it's not it's not a high res thing at all it's like very much yeah. like like 2d kind of shooter not shooter but like like a 2d uh kind of sprite based platform so uh i don't know just playing like kind of an an up but not so up res that it wouldn't fit on Pico 8 version of Galaga called Galactic Wars was really great. It's called it's by uh, Volcano Bites. Uh, Would check it out. Uh, Really fun. Had a great time with it. And then the second Pico 8 game that I played that I was like, blown the fuck away by uh is called zepton z-e-p-t-o-n it's by uh, a developer or a group of developers named rez r-e-z uh like like the game um so also a pico 8 game also uh, a, a shmup as they're called like a shoot 'em up uh kind of galaga adjacent but it's in 3d on the pico 8 which oh, wow. I, I like i was like is this even possible i did i didn't i didn't know that that was a thing that could happen and then i, I went on to um the the itchio like forums for this game just to like see what people were saying about it. and everyone is just like how the fuck does this exist yeah. um it it feels a lot like uh the original original star fox in terms of I was like about to say yeah just in terms of like how how the hell did you make this work um yeah. it, it's an incredible thing really beautiful great music i was really surprised by uh the the title screen on this thing is like a banger yeah zepton is 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 rad and i highly recommend playing it um it's hard as hell because like you don't have a lot of input really you know you're not going to have like the full range of motion that you would want out of a 3d you know uh space shooter but it sure is a 3d space shooter for the pico 8 and and that by itself i think is is worth noting and, and worth talking about um it's an extremely impressive thing uh so that was really cool moving on from that there's there's another uh platformer that i i would i just want people to like experience uh that's called mobius did you play mobius did you see this i think it sounds familiar but i I didn't play it tell me all about it so 
it's browser based and then I think you can also download it and play it. Um, but essentially uh, what you're presented with at first, it's a 2D side scroller, but you can see the whole level because it's represented as a circle. Um, so mm. you can just kind of like run around this circle as you want and you, you know you jump over gaps and stuff and um, it, it kind of works exactly as you would expect any platformer to uh, just with like the added twist that it's in a circle instead of going side to side. Uh, so you can see the whole level at once. Uh, they, they introduce a lot of mechanics uh, such as there is a key, you get the key, you unlock a door, you go through the door that moves on to the next level or you have to get multiple keys or hit multiple switches before you can like get the key and then move on to the thing. All the classic like platforming stuff. But then at a certain point, a prompt will show up on the screen that says click the left mouse button to bend. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, yeah. And as soon as you click the mouse button, the circle turns into a figure eight, a 3D figure eight. And it, and it turns into a Mobius strip, uh, if you've ever seen a Mobius strip, uh, where on different sides of, of this Mobius strip and on different sides of what is a circle that is now just being bent, there are two different levels and you will have to... Uh, traverse that point that like midpoint where where the Mobius strip is actually bending in half uh, and that's that's what you'll use to traverse from one side of the circle to the other that's uh, so cool and explore both of these sides of the thing at the same time uh, and they'll introduce more and more hazards and it'll get more and more difficult and at any point if you die you have to restart the, the whole level over from the beginning um, and click and bend and like move your mouse in a way where you're like twisting this entire Mobius strip in a way that just like will completely destroy your brain like there is no way to like really functionally know what you're doing at any point. You just kind of have to like click and, and fuck around and like hope that you end up getting it eventually. It is a super impressive game uh, and it, it's by a developer called Paper Cookies and and I just loved it. I just loved every this second awesome. of Mobius. It's really, yeah. really cool. I'll definitely um, check that out. Yeah, it's uh, it it is. I almost said mind bending. Um, I mean, I did just say mind bending. So whatever. <laughs> Stick with it. Say la vie. That's the box quote. This um, game is mind-bending. Just to uh, fly through a couple more that I, I wanted to touch on. Um, one of them is just called Tiny Dangerous Dungeons, which was recommended by you to me. It was? Yeah, you, you just you just saw it and you took a screenshot of it and you sent it to me. Oh, you just said you should check right. this out. It didn't work on my computer for whatever reason. Uh, but I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, a yeah. Game Boy game, right? Yeah, it's it's like a uh, original Game Boy uh, Metroidvania style game. Um, essentially, they just like blew up all the graphics. So it just looks like bigger than it would on a normal Game Boy, but like still yeah. has that aesthetic to it. Uh, very cartoony, very cute. It's a very short Metroidvania. You can kind of fly through it. Um, cool. And I would recommend doing it. Uh, it's Tiny Dangerous Dungeons and it's just a cute video game. Uh, there are a lot of Metroidvanias in this bundle, by the way. There are. Yeah. Um, there's another one. Actually, let me let me bring this up so I can uh, reference it because I started playing it and then I had to stop. Like I started playing it this morning and then I had to stop. I'm um, sorry, I'd forgotten. I, I remembered that impulsively I had a separate list of games I thought you would like to save you time. <laughs> that was one of them. There's a, there's another Metroidvania that I would recommend checking out that I only played for like five minutes and I just like can't wait to get back to. It's called Visual Out. Um, mm. That is like an extremely like glitchy kind of cyberpunk looking Metroidvania uh, that that is, that is beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, I, I can't wait to play more of it. Um, but anyway, uh, that's Tiny Dangerous Dungeons and Visual Out, uh, two cool Metroidvanias that I wanted to shout out very quickly. Um, and let me see if there's anything else in this segment that I would like to talk about before we go back to our back and forth. Um, yeah. These, are all, these all sound awesome, though. Yeah. How about... Oh, yeah. Actually, there are two more. Uh, Rising Dusk is a game by Studio Stoby. 
uh, is the name of it. It's a puzzle platformer. Incredible visuals, incredible design here. Uh, it looks kind of like, I would say, a step up from Sega Genesis in terms of like what it's going for visually. Oh, um, Sega Saturn. <laughs> yeah, there you Just go. <laughs> That's what they market it. A step up from Genesis. Um, has has the like Super Mario World kind of map that you kind of traverse and and uh, and pick levels from. Uh, the whole the whole conceit of this game it's called an uh, an anti coin collecting game. Uh, so as you're running through these levels and like jumping on enemies and whatever, there are coins scattered throughout the level and there are blocks that have numbers on them and those numbers represent how many coins you can have at any given time and still walk on the block if you have more coins than than are listed on that on that block then the block goes away and then you die (laughs) if you try and walk on it um or it'll you know you'll just fall through and you'll you'll die because of that it is a really really cool game uh it's pretty much just about like how can you jump on these enemies to avoid collecting all of these coins um and make it to the end of the level with as few coins as possible and in certain instances you'll need a certain exact amount of coins to be able to get through certain parts of it so they kind of like force you into collecting coins as well uh and it's all about that balance of like okay how many do i need to like really make it to the end of this thing uh while while also still like not putting myself in a precarious position there's a lot of that balance that happens there um yeah so it's called rising dusk cool game uh and the last one i'll mention in this very quick segment uh is uh, another incremental game like another idle game that's called peck and pixels by waving walrus games um that is just a game in which you feed chickens and you can put hats on the chickens and uh sometimes the chickens lay eggs and sometimes those eggs have chicks in them that turn into more chickens and sometimes uh they don't and you just sell the eggs um that's the whole video game and i was like i i I didn't really plan on playing this for a long time but i really sure did uh so peck and pixels just a dramatic backstory to the pigeon lady in home alone too Um, (laughs) yeah it is way it's it's just way more involved than i thought like most idol games incremental games um are are kind of like they, they kind of live and die by how much of the game is idle right right um and and this game is just like hyper involved at all times you need to constantly be monitoring everything that's happening in this game or <laughs> else you will fail and and the fact that there is like a way to fail at this is, is by itself kind of interesting um totally so yeah those are all the games i wanted to just kind of fly through but uh let's get back to the list the list baby that was all great though i it's cool that like we really don't have a a a wide cross-section here i was expecting way more of it to be honest yeah but i guess it mathematically makes sense but it's cool that like so far there are there like i pretty much want to check out every game you've brought up honestly um (laughs) nice okay moving on uh one game i played that really liked was called pet the pup at the party (gasps) i was gonna talk about this one too yeah i was just about to say i I was i was wondering how much cross-section there was going to be in these last few games that you and i were both saving for the end okay great yeah yeah, okay. Well, that's very ironic that I was that I just said that. It's by Will Herring. In listening to the show, I find that I sometimes overuse similes to like describe something really quickly. But I will say, because I have no other good uh, point of reference, the aesthetic of this game is like Doug fused with Parappa the Rapper. So I got that <laughs> over with. Uh-huh. Uh, it is sort of flat 2D characters that have a very cartoony aesthetic. Basically, it is secretly a like score chase arcade game yeah. where you are in a labyrinthian apartment 
and you are trying to find where the dog is so you can pet them. Yeah. Uh, it's always a random dog. It's always a procedurally generated apartment. One time the game did glitch out at me and I spawned outside the apartment and I was falling forever watching Whoa. the apartment. And I was wondering if that was an intended story beat of yeah. like uh, a kind of an Icarus fate of chasing these dogs. Part of but my notes for this game, I described it as an anxiety simulator, which like honestly <laughs> spawning you outside of the apartment as you fall forever is like... <laughs> what's what's worse, being at the party or being outside the party? So what's what's yeah. weird is that like the game does keep track of you can talk to people. They just have like gibberish. They don't say anything, or that at least that you can understand. But yeah. the game keeps track of how many people you talk to. You, but like you're you're incentivized just to like find the dog as quickly as possible because the game you have a finite amount of time that doesn't reset, but only you get like a few bonus seconds depending on how quickly you find the dog, which you find by seeing and hearing arfs. Uh, you can yeah. see if it's nearby and you can hear them. So you, you follow the lead there. What's really fun too is that there are 52 dogs, one of which is secretly a cat, which is hilarious. Oh my uh, God, no way. Yeah, so that, just to throw you off. But there's a gl- once you pet them, there's like a glossary of all the dogs you've discovered and they have like very funny biographies. Yeah. Um, it's a really fun game. I've actually seen people speed run it, which is very bizarre. Oh, uh, wow. After the fact, I just like... Like I Googled, 100% like, all dog speed run? Uh, not, I think I think it might have been at Games Done Quick, oddly enough. That's awesome. Uh, or maybe I'm mistaken, but either way, like, it, it is a fun game to watch people playing because, like, it, it somehow, despite being so simple, is it's very exciting when you finally discover the dog. Like, it's always Every like, time. a relief. Every time, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really goofy time. It's, it's a really fun game. It could easily have been one of those games with, like, a fun premise but fell flat, but it, like, sticks the landing. And I think the arcadey aspect of, like, okay, as you progress you have less and less time and the apartments get harder to uh explore to the point where eventually there are multiple levels there are stairs you discover and go yeah. on different floors it's great other than the one time i spawned outside and fell forever i had a great time playing this game yeah I would recommend. There, there was nothing better than the first time i loaded into this game and i like i didn't understand that the apartments were going to be as like terrifying and labyrinthian as they ended up being yeah uh so i was just kind of like making my way around following the the, the barking just like kind of at my own pace and like talking to people at the party because I knew that they were also counting how many people I talked to and and eventually uh, when I ran out of time I was like okay there's definitely something else going on here and then and then the second time I loaded in I was just like let me just book it to the dog and ended up having to run through like 20 or 30 different rooms to make it to the dog and that that was the moment where it all clicked for me Um, yeah yeah I mean it's it's an amazing game Uh, I'm sure you and I are not the only people who can relate to this exact thing uh i i very many times have gone to the party and gone to find the dog to go pet or cat so so the uh the the real life uh copy paste of this situation is not lost on me but yeah great game really fun I had a great time with it. Yeah, I had a flashback of an eighth grade at my friend's birthday party going into his room and we both just watched his snake slowly eat a mouse. That was my version of that. Oh my God. <laughs> that's like, you know, if, if you have enough anxiety that that's what you seek to escape. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love the uh, the Onion article that's like, guy at party really hitting it off with owner's dog or something. Uh, it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, but yeah great go. game. Really good time. Uh, what do you what do you got next on your list? Hmm. Um, OK, here, here's here's a game that like, honestly, actually, you know what? Let me let me follow up uh, that game with another one that is very similar. Um, did you play Hot Pot Panic? I did not. OK, 
Uh, Hot Pod Panic is by uh, Keenery is is the name of the of the developer. So essentially, what Hot Pod Panic is is you are going out to eat with a friend that you haven't seen in a long time, and you have to have a conversation with them while also managing the cooking of the food that you two are eating uh, in this hot pot at the restaurant that you're at. So you have to take items from from the the table that the that the restaurant has given you, put them into the hot pot, and and both manage how well done or you know under or overcooked they are and and be able to take them out of the hot pot at the right time to get like the most quote-unquote points to fill your hunger meter which is kind of the the objective of the game is like fill your hunger meter so you can get out of the situation as quickly as possible or uh, while you're doing, or sorry, not or, and while you're doing that, you also have to manage a series of dialogue trees to uh, continue having a conversation with this person that you haven't seen in a That's long amazing. time, where the conversation is absolutely not going very well, uh, where <laughs> they'll, like, ask you a question, and then you'll say something back, and then they'll launch into a story that is, like, unbelievably boring and and you know you're thinking to yourself while that while that conversation is happening or while that story is happening it's like okay great now is the time that i'm gonna like sit here and i'm gonna cook this fish in the hot pot and like figure it out uh, and yeah. just like you know fill, use this opportunity to fill my hunger meter a whole bunch and then you the it's worth noting you have to look down at the hot pot or up at the face of the person who's talking to you <laughs> and that's where the dialogue is so if you look down oh, you no. don't get to see the dialogue so you'll be you'll be like staring at the hot pot like waiting for the stuff to cook and then you'll look back up and you'll realize that they're asking you a question about the story that you just asked or that they just gave you and you have to pick from a dialogue tree where you know m- many of the options are incorrect and are not things that were actually said making it very clear that you weren't listening to the story being told um it is so fucking brutal and and absolutely also a thing that i've had happen in real life uh recently i don't think they'll ever listen to this so i think i'm in the clear but i i i met up with a friend i hadn't seen in a very long time and and it turns out that like they and i had changed so much as people since the last time we had hung out that like we were completely incompatible in terms of hanging yeah. out uh, and it was just like it was like pulling teeth trying to have a conversation so i ended up just being like all right just gonna eat this good ass food and get out of here i guess um, <laughs> and that is that is what hot pot panic is uh it's it's a horrifying game that i can't recommend enough <laughs> it sounds so funny the idea that you have to look up or down is like that that broke me because in my mind i was seeing like a bunch of it all on the same screen yeah um that's so funny i love that i just want to check it out yeah the, the the hard part is like you outside of needing to pay attention to all of the dialogue and like be able to actually like keep that conversation going the fact that like when it's kind of like um not not the current monster hunter but previous monster hunter games where like you have to pull out the the spit like the barbecue spit and you have to cook the the meat and you have to time it exactly to get the meat cooked correctly if you don't cook all the stuff in the hot pot exactly perfectly uh it hurts your hunger meter instead of filling it so like you really do need to be balancing both at all times perfectly it there's no room for error in that game uh so hot pot panic great game that's so funny is there a way for the conversation to go well, or is it just like... I haven't found one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's like, I guess it's like asking like an overcooked, is there a way to like do it perfectly? It's like, yeah. no, you're always going to be like in the middle of a volcano or something. <laughs> like, you know, an yeah. earthquake is right. going to so The food could come out great, but there is still a, an active volcano in front of you. Yeah. yeah. I remember I had my friend Adam, uh, who I know he listens, uh, I'll give you a shout out. He and I, like, he visited one day, like in the last couple of years, and we just like played all of Overcooked together in one 
day. Great. Like yeah. standing up. And that's like, the only time I really ever want to play that game. I just like did it and I got it over with. Yeah. It could really destroy friendships. Anyway, uh, moving on. Man, I wonder what to bring up next. I want to bring up one that I think I can talk about pretty quickly. It's called Ungrounded. Did you play this one? I did not. I do like how every time we bring up a game and we're like, hey, did you play this one? It's like it's like we're yeah. doing like a late night stand-up <laughs> like monologue. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this game about fractals uh, reaching the sun? <laughs> oh, that this. game. I have it downloaded. I didn't play it, though. Oh, did you? Yeah. I knew you liked fractals. Uh, big this fractal is a game guy. about fractals. It's about it's by um, a developer named SG. Or at least it's what is written on itch. And uh it is a game where you are a red dot on a screen uh, with a red sun. The rest is black. And Very you, relatable. You, <laughs> you grow uh, these really beautiful fractal trees. It's up to you where to grow them. You can grow them on top of each other. And you kind of like can play any way you want. You're, you're kind of loosely pushed to make your own platformer. So like to make it in a way that you can realistically jump from one place to another. What's really neat is that there's a mechanic where you can turn semi-transparent and you then can fall through objects. So if you ever like really mess up, you can just fall through back to the beginning. Mm. Um, but I found it's just a really, it's a really oddly Zen game just to like plant these trees and like watch them grow and, and multiply in various directions. It's like not really much to say other than it's really aesthetically pleasing and fun to play. It's, it's very, uh, Great. I find it very calming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it called? Ungrounded? Ungrounded. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm excited to check it out. I mean, just visually, it, it's, a, it's a beautifully designed game. I, I can't wait to check it out. Um, yeah. Cool. Moving on. Yeah. That was my late night bit. Fractals. Great. Fractals, baby. Uh, here's, um, weirdly similar. Uh, I, I wasn't going to talk about this one next, but now I will based on the description of Ungrounded. Did you play the game Mendel? M-E-N-D-E-L by Owen the Bell? I haven't. Okay. Um, it might just be Mendel. Mendel is essentially, uh, you spawn on, I think, I think a randomly generated island. Um, and you're a robot sent there to, uh, it's, it's a 3D game. It's worth noting. So you're like kind of making your way around this island. Beautiful, lush, incredible, uh, like visually kind of like just stellar place. A lot of like really wild colors happening here. But you are a robot that is sent to this planet to essentially just cultivate plants and, uh, a lot of the, I mean, it, it's not, it's not so much a, a game as it is a sandbox, kind of like, um, a, a little bit like, uh, islands, I guess, um, mm. in, in that way where I, I would call this more of a toy than a game, you know, not, not to on this show fucking define what a game is or is not. I think that that's, that's like a, a fool's errand, but yeah, I, I would, I would call this game kind of a toy. Um, but essentially what you're doing is as this robot, you go around to the different plants that are native to this island, uh, and you will take the spores from one plant and the spores from another plant. And then you combine those two spores and then you plant that new thing into the ground and it creates a new plant. Um, oh, and, cool. and you can just continue to do that over and over and over and over again. Uh, and you get to like name all of these plants uh, and, and, and um, just like see what grows essentially. Uh, so like you can take a bunch of like, like a bunch of shrubs and then a bunch of trees and blend them together and like see what they turn into. And like maybe they'll spawn in like a weird color or maybe they'll spawn uh, in like a shape that you didn't expect. It is a game that like I expected to turn on and have like 15 minutes with uh, and ended up playing for like almost an hour and a half. Just like the vibe of this game is so striking uh, and, and is so calming and peaceful that like I kind of couldn't pull myself away from it. And I just kept asking myself, OK, what happens if I blend this plant and this plant? OK, what happens if I blend this plant with itself? What happens if I blend this plant and this plant again? You know, it just like 
really, really, really uh, cool, visually stunning uh, game that I, I, I loved playing. Uh, Mendel. It's great. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think I think you in particular would like it. Yeah. I mean, that I can definitely see the relation with uh, with Ungrounded in the sense of like combinations and seeing where that goes. It's yeah. very cool. Sweet. I guess I'll move on. I only have four left on my list. Cool. So th- not that this is this is not like a favorites on the end i just for whatever reason been trying to follow the tone of the conversation yeah no um, me too yeah i, I have uh, a couple left uh and there's some i might not even talk about so yeah yeah uh the next one i'll bring up is uh democratic socialism simulator which i didn't get uh, to play but i'm, I'm excited to hear oh, about because i also downloaded this one yeah uh, it's by uh mall industria I, I believe that's how it's pronounced um this is also i think one of the bigger releases on here i had heard of it but never played it until now it is structured like a game you talked about i think on the games of the decade reigns that is also largely based on dating apps essentially yeah it is entirely swiping right and left it's great so the way the presentation of this game i think is one of the best things about it it is set in sort of like a bill nye the science guy laboratory uh (laughs) and you're greeted by like an ai deer Mm -hmm. And, and all the all the characters, all the various advisors and other people you talk to are all personified as animals in some way. So like Fox News is a fox uh, that's a donkey Democrat stuff that's very like, you know, on the nose like that. But it all, yeah. I think, keeps the tone light because this game does not shy away from like heavy shit and like mm. very timely and current stuff. And I think is largely satirical just by showing you kind of like the ridiculousness of, of politics and like what things affect votes and don't kind of thing so the way it works is like you're you're given a a question basically and on one on the left and on the right is an answer it's not always yes and no sometimes it's just like and or or whatever and like you have to like drag it all the way and drop it to commit to that decision as you're swiping right or left you see the impact it's going to have so there are there are a few things that you see directly on your screen on the bottom of your screen is sort of like a matrix grid of voters that are all animals as well mm-hmm. and they uh if you are doing something that will gain their vote or or they'll you know pull more in favor to you they're pulled closer to the screen and you know if not they'll they're pushed farther away yeah and if you hide I never did this too much because, like, I think it's a game best played just by, like, viewing the overall aspect. But you can highlight each voter and see, like, what they prioritize. So there might be one that's, like, I'm all about, like, open borders and, like, you know, uh, drug reform. And someone else would be, like, I'm all about guns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is uh, the time remaining uh, for for re-election. So depending on your actions, you can lose the re-election or lose seats in Congress or the Senate or whatnot. And then there's also your budget, uh, the people's power. So how much power do the citizens have? Do the workers have like unions, stuff like that? Carbon gas emissions. Uh, so there's a lot going wow. on. Yeah. And, and you can see directly. So like, and I, th- I would argue there's a hidden metric of just like your own morality. So sometimes they might be like, do we repeal the Muslim ban? Like really big stuff like that, that has like a very clear moral answer. Like, of course, don't ban a group of people. But then yeah. you see what voters you're losing. So it's like, oh, shit. And it's not condoning that. It's not saying like, see, that's how it works. It's just like I, I'm literally put into a position where I have to like go against my own morality to win the reelection. And right. I think that's where the satire comes in, where it's like really accurately critiquing how a lot of politicians operate. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so I think... Um, it's also really fascinating because like it will sometimes decisions will have repercussions later on. So I played it like five or six times. This is a game I also like oddly enjoy, weirdly enough. 
Yeah. Uh, even though it's like pretty heavy at times, despite being like cute animals, uh, I uh, always withdraw from like all the wars because eventually the treasure is like the good thing about not being any wars is we don't have to pay for them. And you suddenly get like a budget increase, you know, and then there'll be other things, too, where like if you are taxing the rich and, and you know, like, uh, I mean, it's just very gratifying. I, I should just say to tax the rich in this game. It's a very uh, <laughs> powerful fantasy uh, or yeah. hopefully not a fantasy, but it's just like fun to do that. But then there also are repercussions of doing things that feel right in the moment. So like there might be a market crash and then suddenly you lose like everyone's favor and there's a deficit. But the, the writing in this game is very, is very sharp. It falls flat at times with some jokes, but I think overall the, the tone is like, accurately critiquing modern day issues um i mean one of my favorite lines is i taxed billionaires and then fox news had an update that said with the fox it said the government is going to steal your savings when you become a millionaire and i'm like that is the best way to like ridicule fox news propaganda yeah absolutely when you become a millionaire this is going to be an issue for you (laughs) um so yeah i think it's it's also they in the beginning you're given similar questions each time but as you play they they change it up to keep it fresh so like it's never the same situation uh i found that i usually play how i would like hope a politician would operate and sometimes it goes successfully and sometimes i have to like literally resign because it's going so poorly right but it's always fun like no matter what is happening or changing it's always like a very interesting time it's over really quick i think on average like a a full presidency lasts like maybe 15 to 20 minutes Mm. um yeah so like so it is very similar to reigns yeah it, it sounds yeah. it sounds awesome. It's available for uh, pretty much everything except iOS. Uh, sorry, not everything, but it's available on like Android, uh, Mac, and Windows, and I think Linux as well. Um, yeah. I was just checking to see if it was available on mobile because it, it sounds like a thing that I would like to have on my phone. Um, yeah, it's kind of a shame it isn't, especially given the like relationship to like you know dating apps, swiping one way or the other. But yeah, yeah, I uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I found it. Um, Honestly, my only caveat is like it it so does not shy away from a lot of timely things that like if you need an escape, it may not be that yeah, at it's all. It doesn't you seem know? like that thing. Yeah, uh, it doesn't. But I think it is like a, a pretty timely commentary on things. And I think like is like oddly uh it's nice when things go well. It's nice when you do what you would hope politicians do, like, you know, taxing the rich and it pays off, literally. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's a fun time. Cool. Uh, Democratic Socialism Simulator, a, a, a good video game available on <laughs> itch.io. That's what they uh, say. Moving on to the next game. What do I want to talk about from this list? I'm going to pick. Uh, did you play Art School? I wanted to. It didn't work on my computer. That was oh, one that I wanted to play. Bummer. So yeah. uh, they actually did just update it. Uh, I think like oh, okay. yesterday or today. I think probably. I think a lot of these games are probably getting updates because of how many people just started playing them. Um, yeah. So this is by uh, a developer uh, named Glanderco. It's worth noting this game is spelled Art School S Q O O L. Boy, is it interesting. Uh, I played this game twice. I played this game the the first day that I got the bundle, and then I played it again this morning. Uh, and I didn't add it to my list. The first time i played it and i did add it the second time i played it so how do i even describe this so the 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 game is uh just like extremely extremely surreal in terms of its visuals uh a lot of pastels a lot of like really beautiful color choices here uh it is it is a 3d game in which you play uh as just like this kind of um like round character named Froshman. um you are (laughs) the freshman at art school that's amazing. Uh, your professor is uh, 
a, a self-described neural network uh, who has been preloaded with every great piece of art that has ever been created uh, oh and will be judging you based on what it knows about art based on all of its, you know, loaded in uh, all of its loaded in artwork that, that it's pulling from. So the way it works is you as the Froshman uh, will make your way around this campus, which is like just an extremely surreal, like kind of honestly just art in itself uh, place. It is just like a, a beautiful and weird spot with a lot of strange shapes, uh, things that have faces that shouldn't have faces, uh, strange sculptures all over the place. Uh, you'll end up on islands that are just like uh, an ocean that is filled with clouds and you'll have to like swim around in that or whatever. So you're you're pretty much tasked with the AI giving you a a task. Uh, the, the AI will give you a, a, a drawing prompt. And, and it seems like there are just I, I don't want to say infinite. I'm sure there is an actual finite number. But I from what I have grokked so far, there are a lot of different prompts. That'll be like the first one I ever got was uh, draw what a scream feels like. And and what you'll have to do is you're pretty much given just like a little tiny canvas and like an art uh, set on on the right. Uh, you can you, you can take the canvas and move it around your screen wherever you want. But uh, it it works a lot like MS Paint, like it looks and feels a lot like MS Paint, but it has uh, some more interesting tools to it. When you start off, you just have a brush and 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 black that's the only color you can choose um so you're just drawing like black lines on on white but as you explore this campus you will eventually pick up new tools you'll pick up a new color mm. or you'll pick up like a brush that allows you to draw a rainbow um or you'll pick up like a, a paint bucket tool and and stuff like that so your your art will eventually start to become a little bit more intricate as you start getting access to more tools I bounced off this game really hard the first time I played it because that was my prompt was draw what a scream feels like. Uh, and I just kept like trying to draw stuff. And every time I sent it to the professor, I would get an F. I would like fail, um, which felt way too close to my actual experience going to art school <laughs> in real life. Um, yeah. And and I eventually ended up going back to it just out of curiosity because it's such like it was such a prominent game in this bundle. And it was a thing that a yeah. lot of people were saying like, oh, there's a lot of great games in here, including Celeste and Night in the Woods and Art School. It's like, OK, this game is being held up to the, to the standard yeah. of like a lot of the other indie games. I think you and I just have grown to like love and champion over time. It was like there, there has to be something here that I'm missing. So I, I loaded back into the game uh, and started playing it again. And I was given a new prompt this time and i'm trying to remember what it was oh it was um draw the sky draw what the sky looked like the first time you saw it and and this was the moment for me where i was walking around the campus and i drew just like i i just looked up at the sky like in in the in the game and i i just was like drawing what i saw and i sent it in and it was just like kind of a mess and i knew it was a mess and i sent it in and i failed again and i was like what the fuck is up with this game and then I started just like thinking about it a little bit more. And I was like, honestly, like when I was really young, I imagine the way I envisioned the sky was just like very happy. So I just drew a cloud with a smiley face on it. I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to draw something simple. I'm going to draw a cloud. I'm going to put a smiley face on it. I only have access to a, a brush uh, and, and black and blue. Those are the only two options I had. So I was like, let me just like make sure there's a lot of color in here. Like I took some time on it. I didn't even go and look around the campus at all to like find new tools or whatever. I just like decided to sit there exactly where I was, not move around at all, outside of the, the AI professor's office, uh, just draw the thing and then go right back into the office. And I handed it in, I got a B. And I was like, okay, I passed. And they gave me a new prompt. And and for some reason, that was the thing that like made 
to click for me that I think the professor is giving you completely random grades. I actually don't think that, that the professor is grading you based on what the actual art is, because like, how could it, right? How could this game yeah. do that? I think what it's maybe doing is, is judging how much time it's taking you to make the stuff. I don't even know if that's true, but it just does seem like there is, there's an aspect of the thing where it is grading, not based on obviously what the art looks like, because there's no way it could actually know that, but it's grading you based on, um, a, a specific set of parameters that I am not privy to, which honestly, Feels very similar to, again, my actual real life <laughs> experience yeah. with art school where like I I was I, I went to art school briefly, entered in as a film major and was thrust into a bunch of like fine art classes, drawing, uh, 3D design, um, like sculpture, all these things that I just had no ability to do and knew that I couldn't do. I I, I specifically went to go study filmmaking because I can't draw like <laughs> right, that, right, right. That reminds me of the Mitch Hedberg joke where he's like, I'm a comedian. I tell jokes. Then people ask me to act in their movies. That's like asking a cook, oh, you cook things. Can you farm? Yes. Like it's very similar. Yeah. That's, that's, like, yeah. that's that is Hedberg. what art school felt like in real life uh, was, yeah. was that kind of thing. And, and I did horribly in all of my drawing classes. And I was like, this is as good as I can do. This is literally the best I am capable of doing. And you're yeah. giving me an actual F and I'm going to fail out of art school because I put it into this class that I like am just set up to fail at and that yeah. is what this game started to make me feel I felt like I was right back in art school being asked to draw things that make no fucking sense at all and being graded on a on a on a scale that I don't understand and what what I started to learn and the thing that really made this game click for me and the reason I wrote it down the reason I wanted to talk about it and the reason I'm saving it towards the last where I, I don't know again we're not like ordering these games in any specific way but like I just really wanted to like hit on this point is that yeah. the actual education that you get from this game art school is not in your professor giving you bullshit assignments and grading you on a curve that you don't understand it's in exploring the campus itself and picking up actual tools you going around and picking up the color blue is more important to you as an artist than it is to be told to draw what a scream feels like and then get graded an F when you try your best at it. Yeah. What is more important here is the fact that I can turn a corner and go through a weird tunnel that doesn't make any sense and come out the other end knowing how to draw a rainbow. Like that, that is, you are literally growing your tool set by exploring campus and just like being at art school, not by doing the actual things that art school is trying to teach you. And that to me is exactly what art school was like. That to me, like walking away from my time at art school, which it's worth noting, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the show, but I dropped out of, I dropped out of art school because I was like, this is not for me. This actually sucks. This is the pits. I ended up retaining a lot of the friendships that I had from my very brief time at art school. I was only there for six months yeah. and I'm still friends with a pretty big chunk of the people that I met in my freshman year. And a lot of them also dropped out too, but we all stayed in touch and we still talk to each other and we still uh, hold each other's work up highly and put each other up on pedestals. Andrea, who I did a Terrace House podcast with for multiple years and am continuing to work with, is one of my closest collaborators. She and I met at art school. We didn't even talk a whole yeah. lot at art school. We just stayed in touch afterwards and eventually decided to start a podcast together. And that, I think, is the beauty of this game, Art School with a Q, um, is is that it it so perfectly encapsulates exactly what my experience was like and and honestly in so doing makes me feel better about having such a fucking bad time um yeah 
Wow. I, I think I think it's really powerful, even though it's so goofy and opens with a musical number that is like awful on purpose. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's about it, it's like the, a song about the freshman who's so excited to be at art school and how they're going to grow and become a great artist. And like, you just know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's an incredible game and I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it's I weird. And it's going to take a long time to like wrap your head around even even being told all the things I'm telling you what all the themes are. I'm telling you what the game is trying to tell you. You're still going to load it up and be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, because it, it is so wild and it's in its visual language. Um, but it's still worth like pushing through that and, and experiencing it. I think that's really, I, I love that it had such a personal resonation with you. I think too, like what a positive message in, in a, in a, in such a weird game. So like, at least, at least the one that you discovered in a sense that like the developing as an artist is, is absorbing the world around you and not what you're being told by a literal artificial professor. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. I'm glad you had that experience. Wow. It's interesting to talk about that after democratic socialism simulators. It's like the the satire is like very much like in your face. Or I shouldn't say in your face. I mean, I think both of those games show the flaws of the systems by just showing you them, you know? Yes. Yeah, totally. Uh, they, they show them operating in a very cartoony environment, but you're just sort of seeing it as it is, and you're you're picking up what actually works along the way. Yeah. Um, that's really fascinating. I, th- I think so few games can have their systems be hard to understand, almost imparsable, and have that be the point and pull that off. That's a really yeah. hard thing to do, to be like, like, this is now the second time, or maybe third time we brought it up on this podcast alone, but like Dark Souls is that, right? Like Dark Souls is hard yeah. on purpose because because life is hard and, and surviving in that world is hard. The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, similar thing. Art school, weirdly enough, falls in that camp where, where it is <laughs> showing you that going to art school is actually like a really difficult and hard to understand thing. Um, and and in so doing, in in going there and and taking something else out of it that is not like uh, I I learned how to shade with charcoal uh, from this professor. Like you are actually getting more out of it uh, than than what the actual art school itself is trying to teach you. Um, I, I think that I think it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant thing. I, I was really blown away by it, and I'm glad that I gave it that second shot. Honestly, totally. Um, I, I'm worried walking away from it that I just like didn't understand it, and, and I'm I'm glad I, I I went and checked it out again. So that's Art School by Glander Co. I don't know if they've made anything else, but I sure am going to check. Thank you for sharing that. That was a really like, even though it was, it, it might have felt negative revisiting that time in your life. I think that was very inspiring, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I don't, I don't consider it a negative time in my life. It was definitely negative going through it. Uh, but, right. But, that's what I mean. But yeah. in looking back on it, I mean, I, I don't have any regrets at all. You know, like yeah. I am where I am because I decided to drop out and join a band, you know, like totally like leave, yeah. leaving art school was maybe one of the best decisions I've ever made, honestly. Uh, so, I, I yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I too, I, I ended up going back, but I also dropped out of college early on for like very night in the woods reasons. Yeah. <laughs> just like, uh, I mean, not as much that, but I think it's just a tough time. I think, I think any, any person that age where it's like suddenly you have to go to this institution that is telling you the one thing you're supposed to do. Like it's kind of fucked and yeah. you know, it's not a hot take, but, and I'm not, I'm not inherently against college, but I think 
as it is depicted and as we have experienced, it has a lot of improving to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, across across so many different avenues, right? Like from yeah. from just the standpoint that it is too expensive, at least in right. this country, right? We're we're, we're in the United States. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. A college is as expensive as it is. Uh, but also, there's there's an unbelievable amount of pressure uh, on on students to choose the college that they want and decide their entire life's course when they're 17. Yeah. That's bonkers that's a bananas thing to ask a person to do i i still don't know what i want to do with my life and i'm 28 i'm a 30 year old man i don't think i had my shit together until maybe like a few months ago uh (laughs) well that's not true i think uh i know what you mean though yeah yeah honestly for any for any younger people listening i mean your life is your life it's going to play out the way it's going to and and you rock but i do think i found at least that there's a lot of comfort your later 20s and as you get older i find that like yeah as much as we fear age and as much as like numbers sound bad you know 30 sounds like an insult somehow um (laughs) it's not like you're just gonna get better at whatever you're doing so as long as you believe that it's gonna happen yeah it's not the fucking secret but as long as you like i i I, i'll say this the people i know this is getting into a lot of different conversations but i think it's all inherently linked in my head of like talking about all these games and all these feelings it's now kind of brewing together the people in my life who go oh i'm so old have been saying it saying that since they were 18 you know it's like you're, you're just gonna Things just get a little bit easier, I think. Uh, I, I just hope that helps whoever is... I, I think I was way more panicked in college and in my early 20s than I am now, if that makes if that, if that helps anyone listening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, same here. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 you'll, you'll figure it out, uh, and it's going to take everybody however long, you know? Um, totally, yeah. Every, everybody's it might take lives you. are different. It, it's going to take a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I dropped out of college and then immediately uh, joined a band, and I was in a band for two years because I was like, well, I'm 18, why not? Like, now's the time to try and like be in a band and make it and like we got close i mean i'm not gonna go into that whole saga but like we were talking to a major record label about signing a multi-year contract for uh multiple albums uh before it all fell apart due to like very classic band breaking up reasons which are very dumb that i'm not gonna get into but like that was a that was a weird time in my life but that was also just like two years that i wasn't working on anything else uh, or at least i thought i wasn't working on anything else but in reality i was working on a lot of like graphic design and and social media marketing uh skills or at least building those up that i ended up using and getting to where i'm at now you know so like totally even the time that you spend that you think you're not really progressing yourself as a person uh is stuff that you'll maybe surprise yourself with later absolutely yeah i mean i think like it's Honestly, not to be too egocentric, but this show is kind of like that. I mean, you and I did a lot of stuff together significantly long ago <laughs> yes. that never really manifested. And then we didn't talk for like four years. Not yeah. for any shitty reasons. We are just, you know, I'm fucking busy. Um, <laughs> and then this sort of happened. But I think it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have that time together early on. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So as long to full circle art school, I think when... When life feels like an AI professor giving you an F, you are still growing as a person and as an artist around that. Right. So that's my hot take on growing up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on to sewer rave. Oh, um, yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this. <laughs> okay. 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 So this is a game that like I like. Talk about Judge a Book by its cover. I saw it immediately. I didn't even read the full title before I was already downloading it. It is a game that is pitched as like a bunch of rats at a rave in the sewers. It's by a developer named Autumn Rain. And it is 
without a doubt the strangest game i've played in this bundle and probably the strangest game in this bundle i'm just gonna assume <laughs> uh, uh and it rocks i yeah. love it i think it's so it's like if you made a nightmare game out of the 3d maze screensaver uh on old windows computers yeah absolutely it is you at least for the me it began with me it's a first person perspective and i fell down into the sewers and this rat was like is the prophecy true or something <laughs> and and there were a bunch of rats dancing there was a peach that i could pick up and it made like a coin sound but it nothing else indicated that anything had changed yeah, <laughs> which yeah, i yeah. immediately loved and basically the whole game is is random you go through doors in the sewer and what what is on the other side is completely up to chance in that way, weirdly, it reminds me of Yumi Nikki, uh, the the dream game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That I brought up, I think, a while ago in one of our spooky seasons about Halloween games. Uh, Yumi Nikki is a game that is largely inspired by Earthbound and aesthetic, but it's basically just exploring this person's dreams. And, like, it's all just about going, you know, through this environment that doesn't make logical sense. And Sewer Rave is like that. I mean, one room will be, you know, a bunch of rats dancing and saying kind of uh, random lines of dialogue. It, it is a funny game, but it's also deeply unsettling. It and is it, it, wildly unsettling. Yeah. yeah I, it, I would it, say most of my time was spent being really perturbed by everything. <laughs> that i was yeah, encountering like, there's some funny stuff like there's one one lighter moment is like i went into a door and doors don't like if you go back through a door you came it will be a different room which is what reminded me of yumi nikki yes. so like there's no there's no cohesion uh, which adds to this like very disorienting sense but uh one one room was just like a movie theater of a bunch of rats watching a movie and i went up and there was a projectionist who's like i put all my student films in here sometimes like just sneak them in <laughs> uh, and then i left and then the next room was a possum with a knife and if you talk to them it enters like literally an earthbound style combat where it's like Whoa. attack item heal and don't and when you when you select don't it says you don't for a turn and then i got stabbed and my health went down <laughs> okay uh and i i in that encounter i both i i saw him a few times so i fought him once and i won and and he just like went away and another time i lost and i just had to crawl out of the room like i couldn't run and my perspective was lower and i had to just crawl and i was okay on the other side it was really unsettling yeah there's one room that's just a bunch of 3d deer looking at you that was one that was that happened to me yeah did you find the the cat who was djing no i didn't see them yeah there's there's uh so you know it's a bunch of rats in this sewer and and the rat i would say like if if you as a person are the size of you know this rat i guess just for uh for context like just imagine everyone else is the same size as you uh there was a cat who was djing in one of the in one of the rooms who was like i would say eight times the size of any rat uh which was absolutely horrifying to walk in and be like oh my god there's a cat here i should probably be afraid of that and then walking up to it and it being like yeah i'm playing my own songs like okay sick that's <laughs> um, great but uh the 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 place or the the point in this game where it got like really unsettling to the point where like i was trying to figure out how to close the game was making my way through the different rooms and having the the music get increasingly more uh fast paced and increasingly more like horrific uh the the music is just like this this like kind of pounding uh techno stuff that eventually i think maybe not even eventually it might just be the order of rooms that i got now that you're saying that they're randomly generated which does make sense but uh, it became like drum and bass, you know, so like it, it picked up in tempo. The the screen itself will start to like roll on yeah. its axis 
a little bit to kind of like indicate that like maybe you're on drugs or maybe the room itself is moving and things like that. And I hit a certain point where I was like, I'm actually getting like uncomfortable playing this thing. And I tried to quit and none of the buttons worked and I couldn't quit the game. I had to turn my computer off to quit this oh game, my God. Uh, which wow. to me was uh, all the more reason to want to bring it up in this episode. <laughs> like, yeah, this game was yeah. so effective in whatever it was that it was trying to do. And to be fair, I did not finish it. I don't know what I don't know how this game ends. I don't even know if you can. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't know if it's like a if it's something that ever ends as much as it is like I mean yeah. this is a game that I felt pretty comfortable being like okay that was my experience with it and moving yes, on same, you know? same 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 uh, absolutely but I'm very and this is another thing where it's like talking about games that like purposely have hard to parse systems and are effective this is a game that is like actively unpleasant yeah. yet I still wanted to bring up and would recommend experiencing yeah hard same if only to have your own experience with it you know because it is like a lot of it feel I mean there's literally the earthbound uh battle in it a lot of it does feel like if undertale was like very scary like if <laughs> yeah. if undertale was like yeah uh you know it has that kind of uh self-aware writing there's one room that's like set up to be a platformer and there's a rat in it who's like i'll be so pissed if you actually get this and it's like impo- like the controls are not great so it's like impossible to do this it's really person. hard yeah yeah, yeah. I, I found that room too yeah there's actually a yeah. lot of platforming in this which i was really surprised by yeah yeah i would love to see whatever this developer works on in the future i think this is like it's it, it to me evoked that the the person who made this is like incredibly intelligent and is and is making this like kind of evil game <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah but it's so it, 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 i found the game so like hypnotically disturbing yeah. um yeah I, I was into it Oof. i mean i love rats so you know <laughs> yeah this is one of the games where like scrolling through the first time i was like hey did you did you know that this game is in here because this is for you <laughs> yeah, sewer rave yeah i mean honestly this is also a game i would love like people in the discord to check out so we can just compare experiences it'd be fun yeah um, if you have the, if you have the stomach for it go for it <laughs> yeah cool um, um moving on steven next game that I want to mention. Uh, wow, we're winding down here. Yeah, I only have two left. Yeah, I don't have too many left either. Um, actually, honestly, looking at the list, I only have eh, one. Oh. I only have one more that I really want to talk about. So why don't why don't you why don't you do the next one also, and then I'll I'll talk about my last one, and then you can talk about your last one. Okay, that sounds good. Unless they match up. <clears throat> the next game I have here is one that I checked out because um, I wanted my my list and the games checked out to be kind of like. My own just like survey of the bundle and, and seeing what immediately caught my eye, but I did I didn't mind a little guidance, so I <laughs> checked out. Uh, Polygon had an article about the bundle. Oh, really? Uh, you know, they, they recommended a few. Um, they recommended one that I wish I could play, but it didn't work on my computer. Uh, Ghost speed dating, which like so up my alley. Um, <laughs> but uh, one they recommended that I could play that I hadn't played before was a mortician's tale oh uh, shit you played it bear games yeah uh it was also on, on my list, list as well? uh no, no it was it was on the list of things i wanted to play and then didn't oh okay gotcha but I'm, I'm really excited to hear about it this is a game that i struggled with initially and i think really came together in the end uh fittingly for the title yeah it is a game that is pitched as sort of like a death positive story about a young mortician it's something that i i, I think i would add a caveat well, I'll, I'll say what the game is, and then you can make up your own mind about whether or not you want to check it out. But 
it's presented in also kind of a, a, a similar uh, FF7 uh, 3D environment, uh, original FF7. Okay. Where the game is, uh, you play as this young mortician named Charlie, and she uh, basically can operate her computer uh, to read her emails, which is also where you take on requests for corpses, I suppose. Um, and then there's like the various parts of the room where you either do like embalming or cremating or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and that's where I personally struggle with the game where I'm like, hmm, do I want to do this? Like, do I, will I actively enjoy doing either of these things? I will say mechanically, the game is structured in that you prepare a body for a funeral and then literally the next door right outside, which is kind of strange architecture, but it works for the game, is where the service is. So like you walk out the room and there's like mm. uh, a small room and you can talk to the people who are there and then you pay re- your respects to the body and you walk back in. Um, yeah. Now, I highly recommend when playing this game that you read all the emails. That is weirdly the defining experience for this game. Okay. Because uh, she has... She has her emails that are like, you know, your next assignment, basically. Um, but then there are two emails that are, well, there are, there are a handful. There's a recurring like newsletter from a eco-friendly funeral service that is all about like, because I didn't even know this. And, and actually, this game taught me a lot about like this sort of business side of things, quote unquote, which I'll get into later. But yeah. apparently the embalming fluid is like really rough chemically and like to kind of just put in the ground is like dangerous interesting yeah so there's this whole thing about like yeah it's sort of like okay like i mean if it's in a casket it's probably okay but regardless it's sort of talking about the benefits of like natural decomposing and whatnot right uh and it also talks a lot about like how other countries and and people of other faith will do a funeral because there's a lot that goes into that as well like you know it's it's a very sacred ritual for pretty much anyone so you had that newsletter and you also had these two ongoing conversations with your friend who works as a driver who's kind of a upbeat guy and then your other friend who is like not working there but you know just sort of shares parts of her life and those add a lot of context to the character who is who is just sort of like a blank slate for the player and in preparing the bodies it is presented in the most like aesthetically appealing way it could be done like it's very like sort of almost uh, like paper cut uh, look, and it reminds me of like a minimalist version of um, oh man, what's that game called for the DS? It's the hospital game. Is New Super Mario Center? Brothers. <laughs> Mario and Luigi Inside Bowser's Story. What is the DS? I need to look it up. I'm sorry. Scribble notes. Tra- I think it's Trauma Center. Yeah, Trauma Center. Oh, Trauma Center is like sorry. Scribble notes uh, wasn't supposed to be a joke guess. That was an actual real guess. Just to let you know where I'm at <laughs> mentally. <laughs> thinking about this game i actually would recommend trauma center um it's sort of like phoenix right but for a doctor or for a surgeon specifically yeah so it's like a anime game where you're playing like and that's like very over the top where like there's like you know it gets the plot kind of goes in a different direction than a mortician's tale but it has that idea where like you're tasked to do certain things and you have a variety of tools like you clean the body and prepare in different ways yeah as I was doing that, even with the even with the appealing aesthetic, I'm like, this still feels like weird, you know, and it feels weird to like uh, it, it felt like cold. to like do that and then go to the service in like this kind of ritualistic way. Mm-hmm. The positive side was like 
the interactions of the emails and also like the ability to hear what all the people who are present at the service are thinking and saying. Um, the game takes a very purposeful turn when the funeral home is bought by a corporation that only cares about upselling like grief basically and they're like upsell as much as you can uh this is good for whatever it's it's very much like and and all the emails to your friends your friends are like what the fuck is this like i can't believe they're like taking advantage of people like this and it's the point where once the corporation buys the place he made some business deal with a hospital where they're just getting like cadavers of people that were unidentified so you go to a funeral where where there's no one else there. And it's this very sad moment where, like, you still pay your respects, but there's no one else present for this person. Yeah. So it eventually, at the end, uh, cuts forward where eventually Charlie, the protagonist, quits and starts her own business. And all the emails are from, like, her friends and from her previous boss who are all, like, happy for her starting her own way. And then you go out in the other room and you're outside with a bunch of people and you're burying a corpse together. Mm. Um, and it sounds it sounds morbid, but, like, it, as you play it, like, it's a slow enough burn that, like, you kind of get where the game is coming from with, like, respecting the funeral and not making it a business, not making it this, like, corporate life thing that like yeah. you know is is trying to upsell I, I think like it's something that i never really thought about of like the money because when you're when you're in that frame of mind when you've lost someone you love money isn't even a factor you know and the fact that there are people that actively take it or it, it is but it's like you you might be willing to pay way more than you realistically would have otherwise because you're going through grief right and yeah. to see like this corporation take advantage of that is really sickening so uh, the game's kind of message to me is like the beauty in, in having a service that the people want you know regardless of 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 what it is like what does what do the people who loved this person want to do what did that person want uh there's one point where uh, there's complications with a will where the family wants one thing, but the person wanted another thing. And you have to do what the family wants. You're like, oh, this feels gross. Yeah. And it's supposed to. So I think like that's kind of what clicked for me with the game where everything that I felt kind of weird doing, I was supposed to feel that way to have the ending, have the relief it did. Mm-hmm. And also kind of meta where like there's relief in the game ending in this nice way. Where, like, oh, okay, wow. There's like... There's beauty in that ending. There's beauty in, in sending this game off that way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was also like an hour. It's really short. Uh, I would recommend it. I mean, it, I, I, the caveat I was going to give in the beginning is like it might be rough to play if you have recently lost someone. But I could also see it at the right time being a nice way to like honor just like maybe not the memory of them, but honor the sort of ritual of like paying your respects to someone you know i think like yeah the game is framed at least in 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 the way it's marketed uh it's talked about as a death positive game right which um which the the death positivity movement is essentially just like our current society the way it the way it is structured at the moment has this like i don't know if repressed is is the word but like this this view of death that is um, kind of unhooked from uh, previous societies and cultures and and other current societies and cultures that that think of death as as a mostly positive thing, right? It, it's it's an understanding that that everybody will pass at some point, and you know, in in so doing, you are just kind of uh, um, 
like falling into falling into the the current cyclical nature of of the planet and the earth and and life itself and the universe and like that is what that movement is is all about um from what i understand at least based on like the the cursory research i did when i was downloading this game to play it which i ended up not doing which i'm kicking myself now but apparently this game is is created from a death positive standpoint and i'm i'm interested to see how that relates to the actual like busy work and mundanity of of doing that kind of work um, which, which I think some would inherently find repulsive, but like is a job that people have and, oh, yeah, and, and totally. is a job that like, if you do enough, I'm sure becomes busy work. Like I'm sure it, yeah. like you, you talk to, I don't know if you know anyone like this, but like I, I have people in my family who are, are, uh, like they work in the medical field and, and have, you know, have talked kind of endlessly to me. At least I've had conversations with them at like family reunion kind of stuff. That's just like, yeah, you see a lot of dead bodies in this job. Uh, and at a certain point, you've seen so many that it stops being shocking, um, which is like, I think, inherently terrifying, right? On a certain level, that's like, oh, my God, could you imagine if your brain ever turned that part of itself off? Yeah. But at the same time, that's a thing that a lot of people do, and we are paying people to do, right? That is, a, like, morticians exist and have this job, and 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 that part of their brain probably doesn't uh, fire the same uh, neurons that, that ours do, right? If, if we were to witness something like that. And I, I think that's that's the kind of thing that a game like this can uh, examine that, that I think, like, you know, Naughty Dog's next triple A uh, romp is not going to. Right, right. Um, and, and, and I think, I think uh, that's the inherent beauty of, of a thing like like a bundle like this and, and like indie games uh, can, can provide in general. Yeah. And I, I guess I was taken aback by the impressed by the critique of like how this could somehow become corporate, you know, how this this necessary business could yes. be kind of taken advantage of when you lose the humanity of it. Because I think, like, the game shows that there is a humanity in running that business well and yeah, providing absolutely. a service that, like, your client actually wants, that respects the person, that respects the environment. You know, I, I think it's something... It, it's a game that pointed out a lot that I didn't ever really think about, to be honest, which I think is, you know, worthwhile inherently. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I would recommend it. It, it was a great time. I, I found it really moving. It comes together in the end, so if you find it a little bit slow in the beginning, just, like, give it some time cool yeah that's a mortician's tale a mortician's tale is, is what it's called uh yeah um i'm i'm excited to check it out i really want to um i know yeah. my my partner got the bundle and she's gonna be checking it out also um that was like the first cool. one that stuck out to her so i think i think we'll probably yeah. be playing that at some point uh and i'm excited to do so i wonder you know what maybe maybe why not i'll i'll, th- I'll throw in a couple games before i talk about the one that i was like saving for last sure uh, just a couple real quick uh one of them is called fossil hunters by Reptoid Games, it feels uh, very much like an early, early, early PS2 game uh, in its in its visual mm. style. Uh, you're essentially picking from a, a list of um, like just fossil hunters in general, paleontologists, uh, as you go around uh, these like kind of I don't know if they're preset or if they're randomly generated, but these. Uh, these little areas where you like uh, pickaxe your way through a bunch of dirt and then find fossils and then you have to arrange the fossils into new dinosaurs and then you have to get them like uh, kind of uh, inspected and then you get paid based on you know how how intricate or interesting the dinosaurs are that you've like <laughs> essentially invented because uh, you're just putting bones together like That's however incredible. you want <laughs> really yeah. uh, which is really goofy and really fun um, so that that's Fossil Hunters it's really cool uh, the the music sounds so much like Monster Hunter 
which is great. Oh, very good. Um, but really great vibe, uh, really great energy. Play it with a controller. I tried playing it with mouse and keyboard and was like, actually, this sucks. Uh, and they tell you in the beginning to play it with a controller. Definitely do what they tell Listen. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really, really fun and also is uh, playable up to four players. You can have four player co-op. Oh, cool. Uh, which is wow, really that's cool. awesome. Yeah, really fun. Um, another one, Petty Puny Planet. Um, kind of <laughs> an incremental game. Um, essentially, the whole vibe is like uh, th- this is by Whales and Games is, is the name of it. Essentially, the whole vibe is uh, if you're a Star Trek person at all, you know, the idea that like you're not supposed to make contact with a um, with a race or, or a species until like they have uh, got into space travel themselves uh, un- until they can travel through light space is kind of the idea. You're not supposed to make contact. Um, this game is like, what if we did the opposite? Uh, so essentially, you're given a planet and then you check in with that planet every hundred years and you just like fuck with that planet in a, in a very specific way. So it'll randomly generate one of like i think three to five different options it'll be like uh give them fire why not like just give just show them what fire is uh and then you check in a (laughs) hundred years later and you see how introducing fire into their society has like helped or hurt them um and you can do things like introduce technology way before you've given them fire so like you could just like completely flip uh the the normal sustained version of of evolution on on a planet um and just like (laughs) we got zunes but no running water (laughs) it's literally that (laughs) literally uh which is really really goofy uh it's really fun eventually like the planet will either succeed and and um succeeding as a planet essentially is them like going off world and like starting to colonize the galaxy or whatever it's like cool all right i'm done with fucking with these people i'm gonna move on to another one uh or you know failure in the worst way possible uh, and then you move on to another planet and you do the same thing again the whole game probably like not the whole game but like a run of this game a run being like one planet will probably take like five to ten minutes um so oh, wow. you can like go through like one or two of them and then just like that's pretty much all you really need to play um there might be a lot more um but like one planet for example i just kept putting moons on the planet i just kept they kept saying like create a new moon and i just did it like over and over and over again until this planet had like five moons and the ocean was fucked Uh, yeah i was gonna say yeah (laughs) it was it was amazing it's really fun so that's that's petty puny planet uh definitely recommend that one and uh another last one that i'll recommend before talking about the last last game that i want to talk about uh is by uh somebody named pablo de pena It's, it's called night in the storm uh, essentially, you are a uh, like cartoon pelican who is tasked with operating a lighthouse. Uh, and there are four floors of this lighthouse. The, the basement floor, which has the generator, which is like running the whole place. The middle floor, which uh, has like a kind of uh, switch box, like a fuse box. Um, and also a box of uh, gigantic light bulbs. Another floor above that, which has a bunch of mechanics that, that are like spinning the, the lighthouse itself, like spinning the, the, the bulb and the light. And then the top floor, which is the actual light itself. And the whole point of the game is that every piece of this lighthouse is failing at all times. And you are the only person who is in this lighthouse who is capable of fixing it. uh, And nobody's coming to help you. And you have to make it through the entire night in one of the worst storms that this uh, coastal town has ever seen. So everything is breaking constantly. And you are just sprinting between these four floors, trying to fix all of these things constantly. So so at any point, it's like, (laughs) okay, I took this light bulb. I ran up to the top floor. I unscrewed the light bulb that was in there and screwed in the new 
light bulb. Uh, and while I was doing that, the the window on the bottom floor blew open, and now the bottom floor is filled with water, which I have to drain and then get the generator working to turn everything back on again. Things like that will happen over and over and over and over again. And at first, I was like, "This game sucks." <laughs> like this, like it doesn't feel good to play. Like it's a good game. I don't mean it, I don't mean the game sucks, but like it feels bad to play because it's so anxiety inducing. It's really horrific. Yeah. Because the whole thing is like, if the lighthouse is off and you see the ships in the distance, the ships are just going to come right for you and slam into the coastal town. You're fucked. They don't tell you this, but the game, uh, it, it maybe is worth mentioning. The game uh, is about making it through the night. So you literally have to wait until the sun rises before you're done playing it. Uh, and what I found and, and the reason that I think this game is great uh, is that at a certain point, the game goes from being like an anxiety simulator, like... This just is constantly stressful, is constantly bad. Who knows what's going to go wrong at any point to you start to anticipate what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to start to anticipate which things are going to break and when you start to understand the patterns in the destruction of this lighthouse and start to and start to uh, like figure out what's going to happen way before it happens to the point where you'll be standing next to the generator before it breaks or you'll be standing next to the mm. light bulb at the top of the tower with a replacement light bulb before the first one goes out and then you're already there to replace the light bulb uh, and then you know immediately to go from there to another floor like you'll start to understand the patterns in the game I found that to be kind of a beautiful thing I, fa- I found it to be um, not so unlike art school or the first game I recommended thing in itself where the the point of the game is is uh, this understanding that like there are patterns in one's own anxiety that you can start to identify mm. and you can start to anticipate wow, them yeah. and in so doing avoid the anxiety in itself and I I think that that is like a beautiful thing I don't know if that's actually what the game is going for but that is definitely what I got from it what you discovered yeah that's awesome um and I I think that that's an incredible thing so I highly recommend checking it out it's called Night in the Storm uh by Pablo de Pena um I actually have one more game I want to talk about but how about we go to your last one and we can come back to mine does okay. that work sure yeah that works I just uh, that, a bunch. this is one that i that i uh was blown away by it's called ye in a thousand moons oh yeah uh, you told me to play this Sue. one last night i downloaded it. i haven't played it yet somebody in the discord uh, okay. also recommended this one yeah that's that's actually uh why i should that so thank you for bringing it to my attention by david sue it is so there are a lot of games that are about music like uh Sign Our wild hearts is very much like an interactive music video yeah but i have yet to play a game that like this game just evokes a musical so strongly mm. it is so this is the game that like i played and was it's a very short game it's like almost too short but I think it's a good thing I finished it and I was like, give this developer a giant budget. I want to see this like <laughs> in full form. You yeah, know, not yeah, to say yeah. that this is is not, but I want to see like, I think this is a, a, at least for me, a new enough take on a musical game that I would love to see where it can go. So basically you are uh, Yi, this young woman uh, who has a bow and arrow and it's like the characters are singing. So it begins with like her singing in this town about how the gods have tasked her with uh, destroying all the moons, speaking of a planet with a bunch of moons. So she has to <laughs> fire a bow and arrow at all these moons. And you do that just by like, clicking. But she was warned that by doing so, it will fill the air with stardust and the people will have to like leave the planet, basically. So uh, that's that's like shooting down the moons is really the only time this game is like resembles a traditional video game the rest is just like walking through what is like a musical like characters singing and dancing 
to the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, what does it look like? And, what, what does it look like visually? What's the vibe? Um, it's very, it's very, uh, like very simple 3d graphics, uh, which is, it, I don't know if it's like purposeful in the way that, um, that like a lot of the games we brought up were, or if it was just sort of like, that's what they can make at this time. Yeah. Um, it, it looks nice. I think that like, the music is on a whole other level than the than the the graphics are. I'll say that much. Mm. Um, but I think the graphics work for the game. The style is nice and uh, just like uh, the soundtrack is on Spotify. I'll say that as well. It's this really lovely tale, uh, very like kind of fantastic and metaphorical in some ways. Um, but like what I'm such a sucker for. And I and I feel my high school theater kids' soul emerging and taking over my body is is the structure of a song where uh, it will begin with each character kind of like saying their plea or take in a in a melody, yeah, and then another character, and then at the end they like combine in kind of like a one day more fashion, yeah. Of so course. there's one a standout song here is Ye goes to the gods to plea for them to bring the moons back and the, and any any script that has the subject all gods and then the line of dialogue already has me won over <laughs> but like yeah. it's this sort of like three gods in a tower kind of singing back to ye as she pleads for them to do this mm. i'm just like so now hungry for a video game musical like not not a like i love a sign our wild hearts but i'm like what does it look like because this game is very simple and it works very well uh you know it's basically just go from point a to point b and the story and the music progresses and it works and it leaves you wanting more i actually went in the menu you can go back to a specific song and i did that I, i i really enjoyed it but i'm like man i would love to see a game that like really utilizes like what is happening in a staged musical but as a video game like, yeah. what does it even look like you know totally uh, what what would happen if you made like because you know it's i i almost forgot to mention like in the interludes between chapters the music kind of becomes 8-bit and it almost resembles like a text adventure where it's like ye has to go to the gods to bring the moons back like in all capitals and like is like purposely video gaming in that moment and then goes back into doing what it's doing <laughs> so i'm just like what is what does that look like when you can tell a story that would like normally be like an action adventure game, but is a musical? Yeah. Right. It, it really has planted this idea of creativity that I would love to see uh, executed by the same person and by others as well. Um, but as it stands, as the game is right now, I think it's like a really unique experience that I would highly recommend. It's definitely like the controls are a little flighty and like it's hard to aim with the arrow. So like that's where it feels like, okay. Like I think that this, this person definitely deserves like a slightly bigger budget with like this sort of like graphics and, and game of it. But the idea and the music and the execution is like really cool. I, I was a big fan of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds amazing. That is definitely the kind of thing that I, I would like to see more of. Um, I, I'm never going to remember the name of it. Uh, actually, let me just look it up. There's, there's a game that Adult Swim published uh, when Adult Swim was making games. I don't know if they even still are or what's going on with that. But they, they released a game a while back that was also a musical that I, that I can't remember the name of and i am not finding it just like oh it it was called peter panic which was another uh game musical it was available for ios and ipad that i ended up not playing but like just remember seeing a lot of when it first came out but that's literally the only other one that i can think of that is a musical video game so i I would love to see this explored more uh yeah i can't wait to check this out i just looked up the um the visuals while you were talking about it uh and and it looks really great i i definitely want to check this out it's i i didn't mean to imply that it's like less than but i 
it, it, the the they definitely like utilize the simple style really well. Yeah, uh, I I like the way the characters look and and I think yeah, the only thing that like feels a little lacking is like the controls, but like it totally works for the context of the game. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's it's absolutely worth checking out. It's it's one of the most unique games I've played in a while. Cool. That is Yi and the Thousand Moons. Yes. Cool. Uh, by David Sue, I believe. Yes. That is the name. Cool. Okay. Last game I want to talk about uh, is a game by Janik Boyson. Uh, came out this year, which I'm very excited about because now I can put it on my goatee list, um, mm. which I, I am maybe planning on doing, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it all nets out. Um, it's June. But uh, it's a game called Shutter Stroll. Did you see this one or play this one? No. No. Okay, great. Here's the thing, dear listener and dear Steven. Uh, Me? We've been doing this show for a long time. One of the things <laughs> about this podcast scared. that uh, has become a, a trend, I would say, in most of my descriptions of most AAA uh, Sony games in particular is my love of photo mode. I love photo mm. mode. I think it's the greatest introduction mechanically uh to to video games in a long time i i think i think it's just an incredible thing you and aj are already privy to a lot of the screenshots and and stuff that i'm taking in photo mode in last of us 2 which uh will absolutely impede my ability to uh make it through that entire game because i spend so much time in photo mode instead of actually playing <laughs> the narrative shutter stroll is photo mode turned into a video game oh hell yeah all it does, it's so simple. It's such a simple game. And it's it's not even like it's not even like earth shattering. It's not even like a wild idea. All it does is you you load into the game, it generates an island, and then you walk around that island with a camera, and the camera just looks amazing. It has really great uh depth of field effects going on, and you just take pictures. And you can take one picture per island, and then you leave, and then it generates a new island. And all the islands have seeds. So like if you if you're online and you see somebody else's island that you like really like. You can type that seed in uh, and you can go to that island yourself as well. Uh, and it'll generate that same island for you uh, every day. There's a daily island that everybody gets. Uh, and then you can like take a picture of that and then see everybody else's pictures of that same island. Uh, the ambiance is amazing. There's really no music at all. And and the the game is just like beautiful in its in its simplicity. Uh, it it is like very simple from a from a graphical perspective, but uh, the way it generates stuff is like very bright, very vibrant. Uh, weird uses of colors in ways that like sometimes don't make sense. Uh, the weather on every island will be different generally, so like it, it'll be you know absolutely fucking downpour on one island, and there's a beauty to that. Uh, you'll be on another island that is just like you know caves or whatever. Uh, you'll be on another island that's just like a bunch of the uh, the obelisk, not the obelisk, um, the the monolith from 2001: A Space Odyssey all over the place <laughs> uh, in, instead of trees. It's a beautiful thing. I ended up loading into this game thinking like, oh, this is a cool idea, and then found myself listening to the entirety of like four different albums that I wanted to check out while I just wandered around this island taking pictures, uh, and I now have a huge screenshots folder, because it just saves all the pictures you take to a screenshots folder on, on your Mac, at least, uh, for me. I just have this huge number of screenshots that I've taken in this game, or a huge number of pictures, uh, and I've been like scrolling through all of the pictures that people have uploaded, because there's a very specific hashtag for this game, uh, where when you upload, you know, you, you put the hashtag on it so other people can find it it's amazing it's an amazing thing it feels like it was just made for me uh i i had <laughs> i had an incredible time with it i will continue to play it i'll i just i just find it to be uh, a beautiful meditative thing and honestly to me like i guess to turn it into a bigger thing but like it's one of those things that that feels like something that that reframes 
for me what what a video game can be right like again uh you know not not to get into it as i did earlier but like we're not here to define what video game means ever that's not that's not our role that's it's nobody's role because because uh inherent in any art form uh people will push the boundaries of that and create new things that that yeah. make that make the art form a larger universe than it was earlier but shutter Shoal to me is like such a such a simple example of that in itself it, it is such a such a singular thing it all it is is taking pictures in a place and then going to a new place and taking more pictures and honestly the game is even comfortable with you breaking free of that there's an option in the settings that allows you to take multiple Multiple pictures per island if you want uh, so you can do that if you want to uh, which I've opted to not do because I really like the limitation of one I think yeah, that's great totally um, I, I am the kind of person who as I mentioned before spends a lot of time in video games uh, fucking around with photo mode and if they don't have photo mode I'll still turn off the HUD turn off everything and find myself taking pictures anyway because I, I think that like as people continue to put the work into making more and more gorgeous environments and atmospheres in video games, like that stuff should be celebrated as much as the narratives that are explored within those environments. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. I, I think like I, I think being able to go through The Last of Us 2 as I am doing now and saying that, uh, you know, this this place, this uh, lodge that I'm in or this library is is just as important to me as as the actual narrative framing of the reason I'm in the library uh, is kind of an exhilarating thing to do. And, and that brings with it a whole host of problems in The Last of Us specifically, which we'll talk about in that bonus episode. Uh, but in a game like Shutterstroll, the whole thing exists for me to to ogle at. It. The whole thing exists for me to just uh, take in the spectacle and appreciate it. Uh, there, there is nothing else getting in the way of that, and I, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. I, I found my time with Shutter Stroll to be like surprisingly profound, uh, and I and I can't wait to play more of it. And I can't wait to do more daily islands and just like check this thing out more. Um, yeah. It rules, and my only regret with it is that I don't have a better computer, so the graphics are so low while I'm playing that my <laughs> pictures aren't, like, beautiful uh, right. compared to th- some of the ones that I'm seeing on Twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for you, but it sounds amazing. Uh, that sounds like... I mean, honestly, between that and Ye and a Thousand Moons, I feel like a game was made for both of us in yeah. terms of, like, what we were secretly looking for this whole time. Yeah. Photo mode and a musical. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's really lovely. I think that's a great way to like, I think that's also like we said in the very beginning, that is the beauty of and the freedom of a lot of these indie games is to is to push the boundaries of what it means to be a video game and also have that laser focus on like, what if a game was just this instead of like trying to do everything? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Skeletris, right? It's, it's taking the Resident Evil 4 inventory mechanic and turning it into a whole thing. Yeah. Saying like, why isn't that yeah. just the whole game? Um, right. Yeah. It's great. Hell Yeah. Cool. I think that's it. Yeah, that is that is it, at least on my list. Uh, I don't have any games left. Um, yeah, I have nothing else. I mean, um, yeah, I, I I hesitate to like say like, oh, well, my favorite was, but they're all, they're all good. Everything we just talked about is worth checking out and whatever like jumps out to you, do it. And also, please let us know if there's stuff you enjoyed in this bundle that we didn't even talk about. Like, I would love to continuously look in what's inside here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do want to reiterate, like you and I played more games than the ones that we just talked about today. Yeah, there are like these are all games that we would recommend checking out and spending time with 
specifically. Yeah. And the fact that we managed to do that with almost no overlap, very little overlap outside of the games that you and I both told each other to play um, yeah. means that there are so many undiscovered, incredible things in here. There are there are things in here in this bundle that I am floored by. There are uh, fonts in this bundle. There are Photoshop brushes in this bundle. There are RPG makers and, and uh, 3D assets for people who are making video games in this bundle. There are soundtracks in this bundle. Um, yeah. Did I already mention board games? There are board games and tabletop games and card games in this bundle there's so much outside of just like the purview of straight up video games in here i mean there's so much to celebrate and so much to talk about and honestly i think that's why you and i wanted so badly to do this as our first episode of season three is like you know for the past couple of months i think you and i have been so uh laser focused on like big event games but at the same time, like that's the stuff that that you and I felt the most compelled to check out. And something like this yeah. bundle, like really highlights the inherent value of like taking some time away from that every once in a while and exploring the things that, you know, are going to be a little bit harder to find. Honestly, it's funny that you brought up Spotify so much. The biggest complaint that everybody has always had with Spotify that I have always thought was like truly bullshit. Like it's it's like one of I don't know why I get defensive about this, but like it's one of the things that I actually <laughs> get defensive about where people say that it's hard to discover music on Spotify and I'm like my my reaction to that has always been you have to do the the smallest amount of work to discover yeah. things on Spotify the way I have always experienced it was that I would find an artist I like and then I would click on the related artists field and then I would check out anyone in that list, listen to their most popular song or top five most popular songs, and then move on to their related artists and then continue until I found something that I loved. And like, that's what I did for a long time. And then Discover Weekly came out and then Discover Weekly revolutionized the way uh, people were discovering music. Right. And like if if you are living in a post Discover Weekly world and you're saying that Spotify is a hard way to find music or any of the above streaming services are a hard way to find music, that just means that you're not clicking on Discover Weekly. That's literally all it takes it is it yeah. is ingesting everything you listen to and then recommending things that it thinks you'll love and is probably right about to be completely honest and and i think that like it's a little bit more difficult to do that with video games there's not a discover weekly showing up uh on on ps4 or the nintendo switch yeah. that's going to tell me the next game that i should play but that doesn't mean that there aren't a ton of people doing the work for you already making these lists uh, like the one that you and I just made uh, and yeah. saying, like, here's a bunch of great shit to play. And this is and and I don't know why, but this is coming off like me. I'm like, I'm chastising our audience or ourselves. And that's not what this means to be at all. It's, <laughs> Grow the fuck up yeah. and listen to Hanson. I don't even tell you anything else. <laughs> it's it's more it's more of like a, an understanding that like there there is so much here in this medium that is worth celebrating. And I think that's inherently what you and I want to do with this podcast. And I think that's inherently what we want to do with this episode. And that's why I felt so good about doing this as the beginning of season three is like totally. here is just a celebration of a bunch of stuff that like probably we wouldn't have been able to talk about if not for this bundle which which exists for an incredible reason um yeah it, it is it is the culmination of like everything you and i stand for to be able to sit here for however many hours we've been recording i don't even know it's been a long time and it's be able to talk time. about so many things that we have loved uh yeah i think that's great i think it's amazing i think i think i think you're onto something there i mean i mean i agree with everything you said but in terms of the word required to discover new artists like like you said it's harder with video games and there's also like a pretty big like unfortunately like it costs a lot to be like into video games at a certain level especially with triple a stuff 
But I do know a lot of people who mean well that maybe haven't followed video games in a while that like truly believe like, oh, games aren't as good as they used to be or whatever. Because like, right. and that's fine. You know, it, it, it's like I haven't kept up as much with like movies in the last like five years. Like I, I see the big ones, but I don't like go out of my way as much as I do with video games. We're like we're talking about stuff that we like did the work to find yes. and and to and to highlight what we really liked. And I think that's something we could probably do better, you know, more consistently as this season progresses is like maybe operate outside of like the giant release like not that we're behold like we talk about what we're interested in and like you said the big releases lately have been interesting to us but like you know we're never going to be like the new cod is the whole episode uh (laughs) right i think with with games there is a little work required us to do research and there's something out there that you're going to love, you know? So I think like for anyone who's like, oh, like everything peaked at N64, it's like, no, nah, dude. First of all, everything peaked at PS2. And second of all, uh, I'm kidding. But there's like, it's and any medium is 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 evolving and progressing and, and it's so cool to watch it grow and you can't let it be defined by like anyone, including us. You know, I think, uh, I think it, it, it speaks to a much larger issue with like, with film, like what, fi- like I guarantee you said you're a filmmaker, like every film class is like some dude making you watch Citizen Kane for the 11th time. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But there are other movies. Like what are other <laughs> classics yeah. to watch? Uh, what better yet? What's a new fucking movie we can watch? You know, why are we stuck in this whatever decade uh, that Citizen Kane came out? Um, uh-huh. So, you know, I'm, I'm going all over the place. We've been doing this for a while and I've had a few drinks, but I hope I'm making sense. And I think that my goal in this long tirade of wrath and misguided anger (laughs) is that it's worth taking the literal few minutes it takes to find a smaller creator to support to find a new and cool idea that you'll probably love if you take a second to try to find it yeah Uh, because there are a lot of services and a lot of people that have like purposely made it easier to find so yeah and it's exciting to do so i love doing that i I, i've mentioned this before when i buy comics i will purposely always buy one thing i have no idea what it is if it like caught me in some way and i often regret it truthfully (laughs) i often will be like fuck why did i buy this it was like 30 dollars, and i don't like it but i like taking that risk i think i think it's up to the consumer sometimes to take a risk that way we don't just get call of duty you know, because it's like, yeah, you're kind of voting with what you buy in a sense. Right. You know, and I, um, I want to be clear, like this is not this is not directed at everyone. Right. This is this is not like there are some people who will buy Call of Duty every year. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're at the end of this episode of this podcast, then like this is probably directed at you in some way, shape or form. You know, like I, I think everyone can can do more to to celebrate smaller creators and smaller teams. Um, and, and I think that that's exciting. That's an inherently exciting thing to do. I'm telling this to myself too. That's Me when too. I get most no, absolutely. Up, I want to say yeah, I'm like I'm telling I'm part this, of this to myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think this is this. I think I also kind of like that lesson took full form for myself in doing this episode, where I'm like, shit, we should always be doing this, you know? Yeah. Like, and and if you out there are listening to this and you're getting defensive about this because you're like, I spend a lot of time checking out any developers, that fucking rules. Keep doing that. Yeah, like, I'm, you rock. Yeah. Keep I, doing I, I, it. Again, I don't want this to sound like we're chastising anyone. Like th- this is. No. This is just like us trying to say that uh, indie games are great and we want to play more of them and like... Is that going to be the focus of season three of this podcast? Probably not. But it is a thing that I think we're going to take a more um, concerted stance on trying to do. 
right? Like you and I talked about bug fables a couple episodes ago. And before recording that episode, you and I were like, man, we haven't talked about an indie game in a long time. And like, we felt actually bad about that. Like that was the yeah. thing that you and I both like felt a little guilty about. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Being being able to do something like this is, is really special and really interesting. Um, and, and, and I would totally. like to do it more because I wouldn't find things like Skeletris, which I'm fucking amped to keep playing. And, and truth be told, there's a place for Call of Duties as well. Like yeah, I think we all also yeah. often said like, we don't want to bash like these big mainstream events because they have their place. But I think you don't want them eclipsing the other stuff. You know, I think you you always will have the place for like a bigger blockbuster as well as you'll have a smaller indie film. Yeah. So like both can exist. Yes. Um, and they're all part of the same medium. I think you shouldn't separate them. Right. You shouldn't put one on a bigger pedestal than the other. They're doing things in different avenues. Yeah, totally agree. We figured it out, Brendan. We get it. We figured out video games, and now <laughs> this is a podcast about books. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep this effort up, um, and I hope that we're able to discover more exciting stuff that isn't even on the horizon. You know, that's like not and not not to be like fucking baseball cards about it, like, oh, look at this rare thing that only I know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely you know, like, not. But just to see cool new stuff. Yeah, I think we made that point. I will not stop saying the same thing over and over again. So why don't we wrap, <laughs> yeah, up? Don't we wrap up then? Yeah. Um, I, w- I will actually say that like uh, semi-related but unrelated to all of this, uh, one of my favorite uh, games of all time, uh, well, sorry, one of my favorite mobile games of all time, uh, got a sequel shadow dropped on iOS yesterday that I'm very excited to talk about next week. So just like a tease for that. Mm, uh, but that is yeah. an indie game made by one person that I'm so fucking amped to be talking about again yeah uh so holy shit get ready for that and anyway. then of course we have our last of us part two bonus and then we have last of us part two bonus episode you know, an indie game you might have heard of yeah um but yeah i'm excited to hear about that shadow dropped sequel yeah very excited about it let's wrap up i will say before we wrap up that we've been getting more and more feedback about uh the patreon list yeah. uh for the past i guess one and a half seasons we have just read every name that is becoming this is a happy problem we're blown away by the support absolutely but the list yeah. is long enough now that there is a page two and uh it's not great to listen to or to say I mean, truthfully, I don't mind saying it, but if, I, I think enough people have been like, hey, maybe there's a better way to do this. Yeah, we're listening. The the one the one that sticks out to me the most and the one that seems like the best in terms of like listening to this podcast uh, as, as a weekly endeavor um, is just we put the names in, in the show notes. So, yeah, I think we can do that. And like if, if the list changes week to week, then we can like shout out the new people. Um, yeah. Other people have talked about like, why don't you pull from a hat like four people to shout out every week? or something like that um that's fine so I, I like that. yeah I, I think i think we'll probably experiment with that this week in particular i'll be putting everyone in the show notes um so we don't have to read the list but you know who you are if, you, if you're back in the show and we thank you just from the bottom of our hearts uh for yeah. back in the show and, and allowing us to do the things that we're doing um and and make more of it uh as we've talked about in the past uh as long as one person is back in the show we will continue making bonus episodes uh so i hope you're excited uh, those of you who are backing the show uh, to listen to Steven and I yell at each other, get angry <laughs> about The Last of Us Part 2 when that happens eventually. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But everybody everybody has access to it. Everybody has access to the bonus episodes. Our whole thing is that we do not want to uh, restrict any content from anyone uh, regardless of the amount of money you are paying or not paying. 
Um, the, the, the Patreon is strictly donation based. There is no incentive here outside of just like you're doing it because you love it. And, and honestly, that, that is what makes our hearts sing. Uh, it, it means so, so much that, that not only do you listen to the show in the first place, which I was blown away by when we first launched this thing <laughs> over two years ago, that anyone listened to it at all. Uh, but the fact that in the sea, the very, <laughs> the first joke you and I ever made on this podcast is, Welcome to this podcast. It's another video game podcast. Throw it on the pile. That was the first joke <laughs> you and I ever made. <laughs> the fact that of all the video game podcasts that exist, um, you have chosen to either listen to this one or add this one to the list of of, game, of podcasts that you're listening to. Um, that that means so so much to us. The fact that you would choose to donate to allow us to continue making more stuff on top of that um, is is like beyond comprehension, at least for me. Uh, so so thank you so so much to everybody who has done that. Um, um, doing the show for the past however many years, uh, two years, I guess, ha- has been a constant pleasure and a constant joy. Um, it 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 rules. I can't I can't believe it's happening. I mean, how many times have you and I tried doing stuff like this and and had it not yeah. work out? The fact that this is working out is like amazing. The fact that we're on year three of this and like it's going well is <laughs> awesome. Um, and truly, yeah, like and- at the end of the day, I just like talking about video games with you. Steven, it's just the best. It's so fun. I, I feel the same way, Brendan. Yeah. I mean, I it's it's just the cons. It's overwhelming. It's I find myself often dissociating from the the positive side of it, which is why I think I enjoy these parts of the episode where we can like take a moment and express our gratitude. Even though, uh, quick quick note, I know we're going to put the patrons in the show notes uh, this time. Uh, there is a very generous patron who reached out because we we recently said like, hey, if we've been mispronouncing your name, please let us know. Oh, yeah. There was someone who reached out. Uh, Yuri, uh, I apologize. We got your name wrong for so long. But this uh, let's give a round of applause for Yuri for being so patient uh, and great. And thank you for your generosity. And uh, in the future, you'll be in your show notes. Or if we do something with shout outs, you might hear it again. But I just wanted to make sure we didn't stop doing it the moment you told us how to say your name. <laughs> that would have been especially shitty. Yeah. Uh, uh, Karen so as well. I appreciate you reaching uh, out. By the way, just another person mm. whose, whose name we were mispronouncing thank who reached you. out to us. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you so much to everybody who backs the show. Yeah. Yeah. Ma- making it is a, is a dream. Uh, I frequently forget that this is a podcast, which is, I think, the best position you can be in as a podcast creator uh, is is to just think like, oh, Stephen and I are just hanging out and talking about video games every week. But not only that, but we get to record it and uh, create a cool community alongside of it. Um, and maybe that's a great segue into the stuff that we mentioned in the beginning, but I'll, I'll just say it again. Uh, you can yeah. go to the Worst Garbage online to check out the Discord and join it there. Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash into the cast, twitch.tv slash into the cast, instagram.com slash into the cast. Um, and you can go to into the online to uh, figure out how to subscribe to the show on multiple platforms, which you're already listening to it and you're already at the end of this episode. So I'm sure you've already done that. But if you haven't, like maybe do that. Um, and the best way that you can help the show grow, honestly, of, of like everything else is just like share it with somebody else. I, I recorded an episode of uh, like a like a bridge episode. So without getting too far into it, um, the last the other podcast that I was doing, no script at all. It was a podcast with Terrace House. It came to an end recently for like really kind of like upsetting reasons. And my co-host and I, Andrea, have been talking about like 
what is the next show going to be? We've kind of settled on that. We've settled on an idea for that. And we're going to start testing it out and stuff. But we did like a bridge episode recently that was like, okay, here's here's where no script at all was. And here's what this next thing is going to be. And and we wanted to like be very open and honest about um, what it's like to to create a podcast and like build one from the ground up and, and what that means in like 2020 and things like that. You yeah. and I, when starting into the Aether, we did multiple test episodes. Like the first one yeah. we, we launched, the first one that is available for listening is uh, the E3 episode, which is hilarious. But there are episodes that existed before that that we did not publish um, where yeah. we are like slowly starting to figure out the format and, and episode four Just technically. Just me singing yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all it is, <laughs> baby. Um, yeah, there are there are episodes that that exist uh, before that, but but the one that that we like recorded and then felt good about was was the first one, which was uh, Octopath Traveler's Bewildering Grace. Yeah. Uh, which was you and I just talking about how much we both loved Octopath Traveler, and we we're like, oh yeah, that's what the podcast should be. So yeah. it's just worth noting, like. That that is like the ideal way to start a podcast. That is like ideally what we would want is like to be able to sit down and say, okay, let's figure out the format by just recording stuff and seeing what it turns into. Um, and and that's how you and I figured out how to do this podcast. So I just wanted to mention all of this because uh, in in that bridge episode between no script at all and the new thing, I, I talked pretty extensively, believe it or not, about this very podcast uh, into the <gasps> ether um, and just Aww. and just what it meant and and what we were trying to do. Uh, and one of those things is like we named the podcast into the aether because a you and i really liked it just yeah. like as a name by it's itself which is like cool. the most important thing uh but b it's hard to search for and hard to google and hard to spell uh <laughs> and and in a world like uh video games at the moment a lot of that community is like toxic and bad and and shitty um and and by making ourselves hard to search for and by making ourselves harder to find uh we're actually making it harder to join the community which means that if you go through all the hoops to join the discord or if you go through all the hoops to follow us and find this podcast or join us on twitter or on instagram or wherever we are that means that you in some way shape or form uh, are are a person who believes in the same things that we believe and 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 want to be part of something like that uh and and to jump through all those hoops and become a part of this it like means so much to the two of us we knew that that was going to be a hard thing to to follow through on when we started the show and when we say at the end of every episode the best way to help the show grow is to share it with a friend that's literally what we mean like we we literally mean like share this show with somebody else they will have to go through all of those same hoops that you did to join the community and become like a part of that uh but in so doing we know or at least hope that by the time they join they will be like an incredible uh, addition to to this uh, already like kind of uh, I don't know exciting group of people that that have decided to join us. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think I share that sentiment of like you know it, it's really nice to feel like we're also part of the Discord and like you know I, I think like yeah I, I it's nice to know that like we can at any time strike up a conversation on a channel and it's like part of it and not this like weird like projected hierarchy you know yeah uh, exactly or this projected yeah. barrier um yeah i ne- i never i never want to yeah. go into the discord and feel like I don't belong there, you know, like I I never want to I never want to join a conversation and feel like adding my two cents to a thing means something different than if anyone else was adding their two cents to a thing that that is absolutely the the last feeling that I want. And so far, we've managed to avoid that. I I feel 
gratefully so on on equal footing with everyone else um and and i know because i've i've done this research like this is literally what my job or at least part of what my job was at, at the last job that i had but like i've done this research and i know that there are what are called parasocial relationships between listeners of podcasts and the hosts of podcasts and and i just i guess i want to make it like very clear that like steven and i are just two dudes <laughs> like we're not like yeah we're we're not I don't want to say we're not special because we're very special. We're very special people. We're, we're, we're very, I don't know. We're, we're something. Okay. I can turn into a dragon when it's a yeah. waning gibbous. All there right. You there you go. Thank you for saving me as I was floundering. Um, <laughs> gotcha, we, baby. we're just, we're just like, we're just regular dudes. Yeah. This, we're not putting ourselves on a pedestal. I think we, I, I don't want to have RA energy in the discord. Exactly. <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing here? Just, you know, keep it outside. If you've got to smoke. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I feel like I've said so much already, and I, I could probably say more, no. but I'll maybe stop. I mean, this is a very reflective point of time for our show. We've been doing this for a long time. We're we're seeking to grow, and I think we're rightfully examining a lot and and what's growing around the show. I think you're making total sense. I think uh, we can even cut this early. I think we made our point like ten minutes ago. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> true. AJ, I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna trust you to make the right cuts there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think to wrap it all up, I think. Uh, Brent and I are just really grateful for where things are at right now. I think we're really grateful for not only having the support in the audience we do, but the fact that we're in a community that is so welcoming to us as well. You know, I think that's, yeah. you know, I, I think it's nice to to be part of something. And I, I think I've made genuine friends from the show, which is really nice. Yeah, I mean, so, shout out yeah. to, to Scout who made the art for this show. Like, they were in the Discord. That was how yeah. I, I discovered there are and like reached out in the first place you know yeah i don't know i'm just i'm just so i'm just so grateful for all of it it's it's so yeah. fucking cool it's been a very positive uniting force i think that's hard to create consciously but it ended up happening so i say that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you thank you for yeah, doing that so we can up. wrap up <laughs> uh, i think we said everything that we need to say honestly in terms of no like... i have more to say <laughs> so uh the secret to making good scrambled eggs is taking it off the heat for a bit it Thanks, is that Gordon. is the secret i did it recently with my amazing breakfast sandwich that i told brendan about off the show yeah that's right we talk about shit off the show did you sometimes. add creme fraiche or did you add like no. a heavy cream or anything i just used like a lot of butter I feel like yeah. uh, the secret to a good breakfast sandwich is like, wow, that was a lot of butter, wasn't it? Uh, I, had a brioche, I had a brioche bun, scrambled eggs, and turkey bacon, yeah. which I know is not ideal, but I don't eat red meat. So you got to do what you got to do. And it was still good. Yeah, um, that's great. So yeah, yeah, it was delicious. Season three begins and ends with breakfast sandwich talk. Perfect. Oh, I'm excited about that, actually. I can't wait to see how we end yeah. season three. Is our... I have one more question for you, mm -hmm. my my uh, Gemini friend. The subtitle for this season, should it be Discover Weekly, given our Spotify <laughs> relationship? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's both an awful idea, but also a little bit amazing. I don't know. It doesn't have to be on the art. I don't want to ruin Scott's art with Discover Weekly written on it. Yeah. But last season was a quest continues. Discover Weekly yeah. is kind did of ever, funny. Did we ever it, explicitly explain why it was the quest continues? Did I ever say that? You were looking for a jrpg to like and you found seven yeah i found a ton of them <laughs> famously i mean this show began with talked about traveler which like set the stage of of me someone who's like foundation of video games and my admiration of them is largely with uh jrpgs Final Fantasy VII and, and Chrono Trigger and all that. And you have routinely tried, but never really clicked with them. And then, of course, we did. Hey, if you're new, half our show is Fire Emblem Through Houses, if you're into that. 
boy, do you have some content ahead of you? Uh, as well as um, the big releases that I think occupied most of the last season were like the FF7 remake, Persona, Fire Emblem, all that uh, big big energy uh, of that. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to say that at some point over the past year, you said two words that I immediately wrote down in my ongoing iOS note as groovy baby as a a potential (laughs) subtitle for season three. Because you you mentioned your desire to find a fighting game that you liked again uh, and and got into. You said at one point that Into the Aether Season 3 should be called Duke's Up, which I always really liked. Um, I do like that a lot still. I just don't know if it fits currently. Yeah, I don't know either, but... I just I just we'll wanted to shout out. that out. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we needed a subtitle. You mentioned this before we started recording today, but I don't know if we need a subtitle. Um, we don't, but we could find it as we go. You know, I think it'd be fun to see like what the thesis of the season is, right? So we can discover that yeah. ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally discover agree. yourself. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice one. DIY baby. Um. Cool. Well, I'm glad that uh, at the end of season two, we talked about 51 worldwide classics. And at the beginning of season three, we talked about 51 (laughs) potentially new worldwide classics. Uh, So I guess now is as good as time as any to wrap up. We'll be back next week with more video games. Do you know what you're talking about next week? Do you have do you have any inkling yet? That's not a Splatoon (sighs) tease, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but I'm excited to find out. Yeah, I've been playing a bunch of games, yeah. so I, I'm kind of excited to talk about some stuff. I, I, I mean, played... recently I've been playing Last of Us Part 2, yeah. just to, you know, get that done in time for the bonus. And I've been playing a lot of the H Bundle in preparation of this episode, so um, I haven't had a ton of time to check out anything else, but I now do, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I have played bioshock one and a good chunk of bioshock two recently because they got released on switch um yeah that's right so i will probably be talking about bioshock two specifically probably a lot in relation to the first one but uh that that is a game that i think a lot of people kind of like dunked on i was even going to mention it earlier because you were talking about single player games that had multiplayer uh attached to them uh in in a really unfortunate way bioshock two had pretty good multiplayer but like it definitely shouldn't have been there (laughs) like to be completely honest it's like uh mass effect 3 had that series this is pretty fun to play as a Krogan, but like didn't need it to be honest yeah um so like i i imagine i'll probably be talking about bioshock 2 next week uh there are a bunch of new game announcements because uh the summer of non-e3 continues and there are a bunch of things coming <laughs> left and right uh, so i imagine we'll probably talk about some of that stuff next week so uh i guess stay tuned for more video games um i'm, I'm excited for season three it's gonna be fun me too i mean big releases that i'm pumped for uh on the switch specifically paper mario in july yeah very excited recently they announced a new pokemon snap which is like totally incredible yeah oh the new pokemon mobile game comes out next week next week so i'll probably check out that as well yeah, i'm excited so we can talk about that but yeah hey who knows the future's uncertain and that can be exciting yeah um <laughs> what is that i don't know what but i liked I it a do? lot uh also worth noting a lot of people have reached out uh to me personally and in the discord um and have said that they really liked our inclusion of guests recently yeah Uh, we've been getting more into having guests on the show um that was also a thing that steven and i talked about years ago when we first started the show was like how often do we have guests on and our idea was we make it through the whole first year without any guests and then we start to slowly introduce them um so i think that is a thing that we'll probably be exploring more in season three uh, especially given all the positive feedback uh there are a lot of people yeah. we want to have on the show and people we've already reached out to um and and yeah i i just i anticipate there will be more guests on season three as well i think too we'd love to have people we've had on before again 
Like, you know, I, I think that yeah. might happen as well. So, uh, but yeah, definitely, as always, just keep sharing your feedback of like what you're responding well to. And we're, we're happy to move in that direction. But yeah, guests have been, I think, the, the biggest and most positive addition of season two. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. All right. We just said so much. Should we actually wrap up now? No, I have more to say. Um, the second best breakfast sandwich is egg whites and turkey bacon. Oh, I'm kidding. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. My you. name is Brendan uh, Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Welcome to season three. We're excited to find out what it means. Welcome. See you. How cool is that whale? <laughs> the whale is incredible. That's the thing that is like the whale is so such an inherent leader that I want to follow its lead and what the theme of the season is. Yeah. And I don't think the whale is saying dukes up sonically. No, I don't, so, I don't think so either. I think we got yeah, it reminds me of <laughs> so much. It, reminds saying, me, it has big treasure planet vibes, which is I think is one of Disney's most underrated films that I I would love to see a, a, um, a live action remake of. Um, I, I should also mention that I'm an employee of the Walt Disney Company and anything I say and do uh, does not represent the views of my employer, but like, boy, would I love a live action <laughs> treasure planet uh, anyway, that whale has big Treasure Planet vibes. Uh, it also ties into a game that I was working on a very long time ago with some friends of mine that never came out. That bums me out that it never came out. So, like, there are a lot of things going on with me emotionally in terms of that whale. I love it so much. That's why you're going to see it all yeah. over the place. There's an emoji on our Twitter account right now that is a whale, and it will stay there for the remainder of the year. Uh, yeah, cool. All right. Goodbye. Cool. <laughs> goodbye. See you soon. I know we said goodbye, but we also wanted to give uh, a shout out to our intrepid producer and editor, AJ Filari, uh, who has been working on this show. Ooh, I just I just threw a thing across the room. Uh, <laughs> he has been working on the show for a long time uh, and, and has brought uh, just an incredible energy to the show and also like totally. helps uh, moderate the Discord and, and is just like all around a, a great person. Friend. So thank you so yeah. much to AJ for being a part of the show, our, our unofficial third member of Into the Aether. All of that said, uh, we are about to record some room tone uh, because I've had an air conditioner running in the background throughout the entirety of this episode. Um, and uh, I demand that AJ leave the room tone in the episode in its entirety, unedited. The room tone must be here in this episode, starting now. Room tone, it should be noted, is just a recording of the background audio so we can say uh, the sound of the air conditioner is a bad sound and we don't want it in the rest of the episode. Uh, so uh, what, what AJ does is he takes that sound and then isolates it and then, and then highlights the rest of the recording that we've done and says, get rid of this sound from the rest of that. So, so hopefully the air conditioner has since been removed from the audio. Uh, Stephen and I also wanted to end this episode by um, giving a specific phrase which uh, if tweeted at us, the first person to tweet this phrase at us will get a uh, $50 Nintendo Switch eShop gift card. Uh, unfortunately, this is only eligible in the United States because I don't know how to buy eShop gift cards outside of the United States. So I'm, I'm very, very sorry. I know we have a lot of listeners who are not in the United States. I'm sorry if, if you are the person who's listening to this and this doesn't apply to you. Um, we'll make it up to you somehow, someday. Uh, I, I promise you that. Uh, but for now, uh, we will have a, a phrase where if you tweet it at us, and you were the first person to do so at into the cast on Twitter. Uh, you will win the prize. Steven, what is the phrase? Monster Rancher is overlooked. And frankly put, I can't wait to watch it tonight. <laughs> if you tweet that at us, you get I, something. I, I, I like this because 
There's there's an inherent danger into tweeting something like that. There's an, there's an inherent. <laughs> You've got your reputation to lose. What <laughs> <laughs> a switch gift card to gain. I like the moral trade-off put, here. Yeah, uh, I just think frankly put should be said more. So you know, uh, <laughs> if you tweet, I'll repeat it again in case you need to hear yeah, it sure. again. Uh, I I'm trying to remember what I even said. Um, Monster Rancher is overlooked, and frankly put, I can't wait to watch it tonight. It sucks. <laughs> But that's it. <laughs> Unless you think that's too rough. No, do it's better? Fr- no I think okay. it's perfect. All right, good. It's never, it, You couldn't have come up with anything better, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> Frankly put, it's the best I got. <laughs> uh, that's the end. That's the end of the episode. Thank you that's for it. listening, everyone. Uh, excited to be here for season three. Uh, talk to you later and love you. Love you too. Bye.